Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat through the Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back to episode 26 of Extra Lore, recorded live on April 6, 2018, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at Monster Hunter. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 We also have with us our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? Hey, I, it's good. It's been good. I am super glad to be on the weekend, though, because I'm going to Dave & Buster's tomorrow for the first time ever. <coughs> wait, wait, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. First time ever? I lived in a very country town for the last... 12 years, and now that I live closer to an actual city, I can go there. As Asher might say, uncultured swine. I know. I mean, <laughs> I read books. That's the only culture I get out in the country, dude. <laughs> that and trees, apparently, I guess. I don't know. No, not, in the, not where <laughs> maybe I the, go. Maybe, maybe the color of different grass. I don't Wheat. know. Farming corn, Jeff, like that, that canola seed that we just saw. Well, also routing out the usual team, we have the grizzly bearded cultivator of Spinfoil himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? I uh, just took pills. No, I'm kidding. Uh, everything <laughs> is okay. Um, except for, again, I, I kind of am with Green on this one. I am so glad it's the weekend, even though I work retail, so I work anyway tomorrow. But all the same, I'm glad that this week is just about over because I can then purge it from my memory with beer. Where's the beer? beer. Anybody with beer. Who forgot yes. the beer? <clears throat> I uh, I went for you my Moscow meal, but I just finished it. <laughs> oh. Why do you so, Why do you gotta be so selfish? Gosh darn it, buddy! Sorry, man. So of course, as we as you have heard, we were uh, we were lucky enough to trick Bife to take a break from Pax this week to get him to talk. I I mean I guess Bife, you you kind of do have a little bit of knowledge about tonight's topic, right? I mean you've you've played yeah. the game. <clears throat> I've played the game and I've made a few videos on it. Yeah, and I, aside, I think you uploaded one tonight. Uh, not technically a law video. Like it's, I, I don't like to call them law because it's really not law. It's more kind of ecology, right? Like you can't oh, okay. say, oh, yes, the Rathalos has a wingspan nearly as long as its 22-meter body and then say, yeah, that's law. <laughs> that's I mean, law. I mean, if, 
There's no I mean, story to that. <laughs> like, come on. Who calls that a story? If you call that law, that's a little silly. I don't know, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I have videos of Monster Hunter. And it's a, the minute that you said, hey, the show at PAX, I was like, yes, let's do it. And then you were like, we're doing Monster Hunter. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Victory. <laughs> this could not have been timed better. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So I was very happy to be able to go on the chat, but oh my God, so much more happy that it was Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. And I know for a change, take a break from it all. Take oh, care. yes. Well, I know last week we asked everyone if they thought that I'm going to just kind of say this because I have no idea what these words combined mean, but if they thought that the ancient civilization was to blame for strange species of monsters in the current game setting of Monster Hunter. And I'm going to give it to Green because she was the one that was supposed to ask this weird question and get answers. I mean, it was pretty definitive. 85 Oh yeah, I just don't know who the ancient civilization is. Uh, that's I, don't, I mean, I'll just. That's why I have. That, yeah, that's why I have beard and bife ears. <laughs> I mean, I I'm less about the ancient civilization. I'm wondering who the like strange monsters in the setting of Monster Hunter World are, because like, right? That I, doesn't I really know. narrow it down. They're all a bit the weird. Cosmology and everything. <clears throat> I don't know. No, I mean, every pretty much everybody said yes that it has something to do with <clears throat> the modern era. It was it was kind of a a fairly simple softball question to the community this week, I feel. Well, and that's my idea behind like asking it only because it's a very good uh, plunging platform, I guess you could say, because you you start to kind of dig deeper into the monsters themselves as being the, the main point of the game along with, as we're, as we're going to kind of find out here, nature. Like the, mm-hmm. the large majority of the series revolves around this idea of nature and realistically how the ancients probably screwed it up pretty badly. Uh, yeah. uh, and that's even just like from a, an offset. And then the further you dig into it, the further you start to find that, oh, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense even from a naturalistic point of view. Uh, oh, yeah. One of which I'm probably going to go into on a theory of mine that I haven't voiced or talked about yet but i think is pretty prevalent uh and another that i've actually already posted uh over on my channel so if you guys get interested on looking there's some interesting comparisons to be made on world with existing monsters and existing in mm-hmm. i saw the video you're referring to as well and i've got to say like oh it's really fascinating like mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where i absolutely have to go out there and say as is per typical view bid it's wonderful spin foil <laughs> but oh my god, is it wonderful? Emphasis on the wonderful because, like, wow, it's Ooh, entertaining. It, it, the, the <clears throat> thing and the problem that I'm going to have tonight, and I think Bife is probably going to be right there with me, uh, is a large majority of stuff for Monster Hunter is visual. It isn't mm-hmm. something that you can easily go ahead and, like, I, I can say, well, yeah, if you look at the tip of this wing, it's like the exact same as this monster, and that's why they, they kind of combine. You don't know what I'm talking about, unfortunately, because you can't see it. There is no grimoire. There are no collectible tabs or anything like that. The cutscenes, for the most part, are going to be ecology, and they show off small bits of the monster, but again, all visual. I think my favorite one of those is actually way back in one of the older Monster Hunters. I think it started in two. It's Kushala Mm -hmm. Deora's ecology, where it sheds its skin. 
such a good when it costs oh it's so like it's so wonderful because it gives you an like most of the ecology scenes do this but they give you a little eye into what really happens within the world and that's just it's such a beautiful little context piece that you can then use to feel like you're a little bit closer to the monster but there is almost no point at which they will definitively come out and say yes this is like a big plot point that we want to communicate about this bit of the law no like so much of it's inferred right yeah and especially with uh the one theory I was kind of referring to, if you guys go to check it out, the uh, since Pipe had mentioned the Kushala, my thoughts are right now that the Valha Zak and Kushala Deora may happen to be the same monster. And there's very big visual cues that kind of showcase that it very well could be the case. Uh, but there's, I think you'll you'll kind of understand as we get further into the lore and everything like that, especially with the ancient civilization, what it is that I kind of mean by that. Like, there's some there's some wicked things that you can start thinking about with how how drastically the ancient civilization like completely abolished and obliterated the ideas of nature. But again, the overall ideas, the overall uh, stimulus of Monster Hunter has always been about nature and keeping it more in balance, or at least it is today. I'll be honest, when you were explaining yeah. visual things, all I can think of is the Wiggly helmet. <laughs> and that's pretty oh much because God. that's pretty much because that's the extent of my knowledge about this game is the is the video that Beard sent there's, us. <laughs> there's a super I mean, there's super interesting cosmology. I was watching Bife's video on this actually a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. where Bife you when you read out of the the text, the, one of the few text textbooks that you get in the game that's in that Oh, it was in one of the rooms, isn't it? Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. The Tale of the Five. Yeah, yeah. and that's actually... I well, think... the Tale of the Five... Oh, is the Tale of the Five or the Tale of Five Dragons? It's so irritating. There's this, there's this irritating similarity between that and another tale, which is called Five. And oh, I'm just like, mean... you couldn't have been a little more confusing, could you? Mm-hmm. Just, you, yeah. you mean the, the, the <laughs> lost lore I, I had written up there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I may be segueing into that I'm trying to segue a little bit <laughs> yeah that's i i see what we're not you, used to we're doing. not used to that green don't didn't, didn't we discover this in asher's yeah. episode oh my god <laughs> the muscle yeah, memory is not there thing. for us <laughs> uh, well but and the the terrible thing is though like uh bife was saying actually yeah there's two fives but I think I'll uh, I'll let Blue do his thing here before I start hijacking the show. You know, yeah, I was just going to say real quick, um, you know, we love hearing the feedback. So I wanted to get, just get out, get out of the way real fast. The question for next week, um, it's going to be, you know, we're going to be going back to Destiny lore. So we're actually going to be talking about, well, we'll get to it a little bit in the show note or the, the topic intro, but we'll be talking about Benedict 9940. Um, so I guess the question to everyone for, for this next week is, I don't really know. Like, I am like, what, there's so many like random questions that I have about Benedict. What about the implicate implications of having a frame basically hijacked? Yeah, I was, I was juggling either that one or the really silly one of like, is this sweeper bot? <laughs> oh god that would be uh, is this is like this is this the og sweeper bot? bot is this og I, sweeper I, bot that's been stolen from us because if it is if it is mm-hmm. i will actually i will actually get on destiny 2 in my little free time and find someone to do a raid with just to shoot cows and 
And and I will freaking make Rusty the Sweet Spot Part 2, because that lore needs to be talked <laughs> Yes. Yes, it does. Hell yeah, dude. Rus- Rusty is all but canon. We're working on that last bit, slowly but surely. <laughs> You know, uh, you know the dangerous slope that that puts you on with the other oh, no, character. The other character. Okay, no, we're backpedaling. We're backpedaling. No, nope, nonfiction. Uh, yeah, careful with those writing elements there. Oh boy! Uh, I was like, because you know, if you make that, somewhere. if you make that canon, there's someone else that gets made canon too. Oh mm-hmm. god! Yeah. Oh, All of a sudden, I can make my crate lore canon. Like two people I mean, know to talk about this. We did have what was the name of the Randall the Vandal became canon. So yes. I mean, oh, it can't God, happen. yeah, you did. You can't. Oh my God, it's wonderful, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, so which which one do you guys think we should do? Should we do? Is, is Benedict the sweeper bot, or do you want to do the more serious one? Let's, I mean, let's do something fun. Let's see if people think oh, that God. he's the sweeper bot. <laughs> Destroy. I mean, okay, to be, to, to, yeah, to be clear, he is a sweeper bot, but he is, is he the sweeper bot? The sweeper bot. I think it'd be flipping hilarious if he was the sweeper bot that <laughs> looked like it killed every single couple that was in the <laughs> Just decimated. Whistle, all the way whistle protocol reinstated. Whistle protocol oh, repaired. I still, re- I still remember the moment at the D two reveal <laughs> when we went past the sweet spot and the whistle was going on and it worked and everyone <laughs> cheered because we had heard that line for three freaking years and we were like, they fixed something. Oh, they fixed something. <laughs> <laughs> they broke everything else, but we fixed but the whistle. Okay. We got whistle protocol, dude. Whistle protocol. <laughs> Oh man! Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so okay. The the question for next week is 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 Benedict the sweeper bot? Um, so be sure to sound off and let us know your thoughts on that one. And like like you can probably tell, I know everyone here is looking forward to diving into the discussion. So let's run through our standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last extra lore episode, we had a brief introduction to Doom. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful as they help us show up on charts and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. As with the normal chat topics, Extra Lore is decided by the community through a monthly poll. After the month's discussion has come to an end, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. 
These include podcasts focused on Destiny, such as Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group that is dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny One, and This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardians perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We do also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Extra Lore for April is going to be a discussion on the lore of God of War, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. The chat we will be recording next week is going to be a discussion on the vendor Benedict 9940 from within the Destiny universe. With that all being said, where do we think is the best place to start when looking for a really basic understanding of the world of Monster Hunter? Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> Here we, we go. go. <laughs> I'm glad we were both thinking. Maybe it's because oh, we were yes. thinking about Joker and Spirit there. Um, mm, yes, indeed. <laughs> so, God, no, God. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> so I had a Lost Lord topic up on here, but I think I'm going to honestly just kind of tie it in as we go along. Uh, and I, I think there's a very good placement for it anyway. Uh, first off, I I actually did not put this one down because I don't know why I plum forgot about it. Uh, but if you probably have the most expertise on it, since of course you did the video with it, uh, if you can recall most uh, much about it with the uh, the tale of the five or tale of the five dragons, whichever it may be, uh, if you could grace us. Okay, so the tale of the five is again one of those little myths that Monster Hunter gets told through its story. Again, I'm not gonna say anything coherent apparently this evening because I'm gobbling my sentences and facts. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, it's one of these creation myths. It's really interesting to point out here, whilst Monster Hunter is one of these games in which you can absolutely see something like this sort of happening with how amazing the world is with dragons and everything like that. Again, creation myth. So take this with the pinch of salt that I think everyone will. So the entire idea is that Prior to Monster Hunter's world being actually, you know, a world, there's this kind of, I want to say, continuum that exists, almost like a constant feedback loop that doesn't change anything. There's no night, there's no day, and it's just this perpetual existence. And humans exist alongside dragons, and nothing changes. Time stands still, effectively. And nobody dies, but also nobody gets to experience life. In their immortality, there's no flavor, so to speak. And eventually, the humans go ahead and ask why this is of the dragons, and all of a sudden they start to create the world. They literally state in the legend, if I'm not mistaken, the oceans poured forth from their mouths, and then right. they flew and created an island. And it's all about how each of the five dragons made a special part of it, and how the fifth one flew up and became the sapphire star that guided mm -hmm. them. And you know, they make a big deal of the sapphire star in Monster Hunter World because it's partly a thing of saying, you know. This is kind of a beacon of hope type thing, but also it relates back to the five fleets of the research commission. And so, you know, you've got the fivers who are the ones who are needless to say the last to come. And if you look at each of their banners, it represents a small part of the tale. So I'll need to actually pull up the text to give an idea of what each of the bits are, because I've actually forgotten since then. But you can think of each of them, you know, 
the lakes or the mountains or the forests. And it, you know, it's very much one of these things of kind of like, it goes back to almost the theme of nature being in balance, because in this sense, humanity cannot exist without the dragons and cannot live in the same way without the dragons. Right. So it's, it it all goes back to a theme that I'm sure Beard is going to press forward even more so than I will which is that Monster Hunter's lore, if you go back to it, is very much always pushing the central theme of, despite the fact that we hunt monsters, we are always hunting them for the sake of being in balance with nature. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's kind of how the tale of the five works out. Two seconds. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the rest of it, because otherwise it's going to bug me if I can't name what each of the dragons does. I actually have it for you over in the private chat, too, if you want to. Oh my god! Make it easy, easy. Um, my apologies. I'm bad. I'm bad. I just, I just love how each of the dragons represent different aspects of the creation myth, right? Mm-hmm. In and of itself. Well, and the cool thing too that I, I loved about it. One, this is something that if, if memory serves, we've never seen in any other Monster Hunter game. So this is kind of new for us in mm-hmm. Bolt. But it's the first time that we're hearing about it, and also the first time that we hear about the Sapphire Star. Uh, mm-hmm. which, spoilers, we actually kind of get named that because of our hand and everything that we do in Astera mm-hmm. and the New World. Uh, but there's, of course, very big reasons for that. Yeah. Long story short, like these are not new ideas within any kind of mythology or mythos. Oh, no. And that's one thing that I've loved about what Monster Hunter has done with its overall theming of nature, is that it's taken things from, say, Native American theory or Eskimo theory, just anything and kind of just chucked it all up and said, let's put it all together and, and see what we can combine with like this whole idea of lore and nature uh, being together or how we can kind of function all these different monsters and their aspects and how they work and what they do uh, with what it is that we can have like our civilization be, be tailored by. For instance, the <laughs> before I get too far into them, and I'll stop myself real fast with this statement, Elder dragons literally control nature, weather, and forces, like, period. There is an entire uh, group that is actually pretty well-knowing or, or trying to track out their entire uh, their movements so that they can know uh, weather patterns and everything. Like, mm-hmm. they are that integral to the overall nature of what is happening throughout this, this entirety, this world. Uh, that is Monster Hunter's universe. So mm. Very important and, to kind of yeah. know that. It gets so important at certain times, Beard, that uh, you'll correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I may be getting my law wrong, but in some of the cases with monsters like Kirin, they're literally described as divine. You know, yeah. it's it's to the point where they've ascended almost past the nature of simply controlling the world, and it's just they're a part of the universe. They're a fact of existence, you know? Kirin creates inclement weather, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's... To be honest, if you throw the mythos part of Monster Hunter in there, there's not many other explanations about how it can suddenly summon down lightning or how it can one-hit you because Tempered Curing is so freaking hard. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that fight's mean. But anyway. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Do you, sure. do you have to play Monster Hunter? or like, Do you need to know? And I, I actually asked you this the other day, Beard, and I'm going to ramble a second before I actually get into the real question. Um do you need to have played any of the older games to understand Monster Hunter World? Not really. Uh, the benefit is, like I said, a lot of the stuff that's embedded within Monster Hunter in general is more of a uh, 
it's definitely more of like a visual scene, if you will. So you can kind of take these visual cues as you go along and play. There are some things that they'll reveal. Uh, for for instance, with Monster Hunter World, to not really make this into like a, a game review, even though I could gush for about five hours about the game, they have a book on the inside of the game called the uh, the Hunter's Manual. And the, the Hunter's Field Guide will actually give you like little blurbs about said monster. Uh, in the form of flavor text, in the form of like weaknesses, in the form of like what they do, what they're weak against, stuff like that. And it's not too detailed, but it's enough for you to kind of just jumpstart, just kind of get going into like what else might be going on with them. And then it is this other stuff that starts to be inferred. So I'll I'll call it up again because I feel it's one of the most important monsters for uh, the ancient civilization, which we'll get to here soon enough. The Kushala de Ora is one that you can constantly reference back to. And the reason that Kushala is so important is because the further you go along, you find, one, it is the most common Elder Dragon. Two, it was used in a lot of ancient uh, experiments, building, etc. But three, when you actually start to find this monster, when you start to find this Elder Dragon you start to notice that the winds are, are literally howling because of its presence. And these are the things that you start to infer by actually just looking at what's going on. So is it something where, are, are you going to have a better grasp on what's going on with Monster Hunter if you play the older titles? Sure. There's there's all these other games that, that have been in this series for what is it now? It's over. It's over twenty years. Forty years. Yeah, fourteen no, rather. Fourteen. So we're talking. It's a long, engrossed series. Uh, the, without getting into the history of how the the series even started, like it, it should not have existed. But mm-hmm. funny enough, it ended up breaking through what Capcom was planning for, and became one of their most uh, popular series. So yes. There's a lot of like fan theories that have actually come out that have actually been turned by Capcom uh, to be within the uh, within the series, which I love. Uh, they listen to their fans, they listen to the growth, etc. But I think over, I'll I'll say it now. I think the guys over at the the wiki uh, do a fantastic job of summing everything up and giving a great uh, idea and sense of what is really going on with the background of the game, uh, the series in general. It's Awesome. It's well done on their end. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so, hang on. Uh, are we going to return from... We, we took that on a huge tangent, but Legend, uh, Tale of the Five. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, um, the other really important part to note of, of this, uh, which is after the point of the dragons, is that when the dragons have left, there's essentially a single explorer who was guided by the sapphire star in the sky who goes to explore the island of the five, the quote-unquote lone youth. And after he comes back, everyone says, did you speak to the dragons? And he says, yes, I spoke to them. And then the only other thing he does is he reaches into his cloak and gives them five dragon scales. And then suddenly he's gone, just disappeared. No explanation given why. But the people then decide they need to go ahead and honor the voyage of this. And as a result, they use the five scales to create their own lands, their own mountains, their own lakes, and their own forests, which is four of those are very important because lands, mountains, lakes, and forests, those are four of the things that were created by the dragons, the fifth creating the sapphire star. 
and the fifth scale they turn into the moon so that the sapphire star can um, have some company is the way that they put it basically it's kind of it's not an unusual like premise if i'm not mistaken i think there's some other mythology in which the moon is seen as like um or at least it's it's things such as the jade rabbit mythology mm-hmm. which involves um someone having company on the moon while they're alone you know it's well, this idea of companionship almost yeah, Egyptians uh, worship the moon to a sense. You've got the Greeks, uh, oh, of course, and, and the Romans yeah. that do. Uh, you, you've got plenty. And, and granted, if I look at it like Eastern philosophy as well, like of course that's where they're pulling a, a good lot of this. From. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A lot of it definitely looks at the moon as like a very important. It, it's the 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 turner of the sky, if I if I recall right. Like yes, there's the sun that's very important, but. The moon is basically the thing that ends up like, here's your difference. This is what gives you your hot and your cold, etc. Mm-hmm. The uh, the kind of overarching thing that's really interesting about this myth, though, and this is like it seems to imply this very quietly. Although whether this is true or not, you can just leave that up basically to how much you want to believe in this mythology and everything that it seems to imply. Mm. It seems to imply that the island or the just area of the new world is exactly as is described in this tale of the five. And so, you know, you have areas that literally fit most of these descriptions. You know, when you think of some one dragon sank into the sea and became the land, it's a more generic one. But when you sit there and think of the mountains, you can think of either the elders recess or you can sit there and think of the coral highlands you know mm-hmm. think of lakes and rains and that's something that may actually come very very soon if you've seen that leaked legaicris footage yeah. and then there's um one dragon fell into a deep slumber and became a forest and that one seems pretty self-explanatory as well and so there's these little implications and whilst they they're very much not confirming a damn thing here i think they very much also do it so that the community has this little kind of pointer and they're like, yeah, right. See what's going on. You know, maybe you think about that. Yeah. Yep. And considering that this new world for us is at least by some accounts would only be newly discovered by about 40, perhaps 50 years. We're not necessarily too sure about that. The research commissions were the first ones that were sent there because they had to follow some elder dragons. That mm. was that was it. That like that's how it's mostly started. Yeah, they tracked the damn elder dragons. Yep, because Lone before <laughs> before we had no idea what was actually like going on with uh, with these dragons that would just up and leave. And that was that's why this island is so so weird and so important. It's not just necessarily a reboot of the series, you know. It kind of feels like that in a way, but it is a a means that it still says we acknowledge our old world. But this is setting up the new and why this new world from uh, perhaps this was a an ancient ancient civilization lore idea that they had besides i we don't necessarily know like that text is so blurred and mired in terms of like its authenticity, mm-hmm. just like you know some of the other uh as Bipe has mentioned some of the other naturalistic or uh religious books that we even have today by all accounts. Mm-hmm. It is it is one of those things that you could interpret differently, and especially with this one, is it that it was creating the entirety of the world, or was it just creating the new world? We don't know. So, mm-hmm. how how different is the ancient civilization or the ancient world versus the world that you see in 
Monster Hunter today. I know there's a technological difference for sure. Oh. But mm-hmm. You Gosh, should take this one, Beard. You probably know it a little better. <laughs> I mean, you were the one that did the video on it, but <laughs> I know. But you're you're the you're the true nerd on this one, man. I I submit to your superior law nerd. I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, phrasing aside, for real. Go ahead. Are we still doing phrasing? <laughs> <laughs> Are we still doing phrasing? I can't do a good Archer impression at this time of day. Uh, me neither. Uh, yeah, the ancient civilization are basically the ones that kind of set most of this, the, the entirety of the world that we're in now up. Something to kind of keep in mind, and I think I've already mentioned it a couple times, but just to reiterate it, Monster Hunter is a post, post-apocalyptic world. It's basically where humanity or anything else is kind of coming back up from where they were, which was the very lowest of the low. The question is, how did we get there? What is it that these monsters have like overrun the situ- uh, civilization for? Why is it that they need to be controlled? This, that, the other thing. The ancient civilization is basically the cause for it because they had been extremely uh, advanced in terms of technology, which is showcased by a few different weapons uh, that we've kind of recovered over time. Uh, for instance, the switch axe, the insect glaive, uh, I think even aspects of the hunting horn and a, a few other, like the, the bow guns, the heavy and light uh, in particular, were not weapons that we within our civilization today had crafted. We actually needed to take uh, blueprints and ideas and suggestions from what the ancient civilization had for these weapons previously. Oh, the, the charge blade is another big one, too. I always forget mm-hmm. about the charge blade. But... All of those weapons as an idea, as a a filament, if you will, for understanding that the civilization we're in now is partially crafted from what the ancients had and partially crafted, or at least at this point, mostly crafted by what we have today. But they had a a lot of different things that they were uh, kind of working with, with elder dragons, uh, with understanding them, uh, the ancient civilization to tie this back to what we were talking about they effectively had these means that they were trying to either control them work with them or understand them further the basic ideas and and i guess overall knowledge that you could depict or look into with the elder dragons basically comes from the ancient civilization i guess the the question in chat here but from invested potato magic or science based advanced more science right science yeah. definitely although there's like given the nature of the elder dragons there is a bit of an element to mystic but it's very much grounded much more in science yeah like yeah. a gun a gun lance works off explosions and no work off magic you know right the like, the, the legitimate close... there's like Sorry, legitimate you're... technological explanations for the way things are put together and it. it's mm-hmm. not there's no mystical power or anything going on even the insect glaive, I would probably say, is the most "quote unquote" mystical of all the weapons that we have. And realistically, we can easily explain off how that works if you're familiar with attunements and sounds and so on, with the way that like uh, bugs and insects work, which is really so, cool to begin with. <laughs> if I might, this is something which is what I took from reading around the community. So again. Take this as like equal word. I don't want to say that this is definitively the case. There's a lot of theory that actually states the insect glaive wasn't a weapon recovered from the ancient civilization, but was created by the modern day hunters guild. 
And the main kind of draft of that theory is that the insect glaive was created as a, as a weapon that literally is in balance with nature, hence the kinsect. You're not utilizing the kinsect in the way of it being a slave to you. It's more of a symbiosis, you know? You host it on your arm. You literally carry it with you. And in return, it helps you in combat. It extracts the buffs for you, so to speak. And it being in balance like this also kind of explains why relative to some of the other weapons of the ancient civilization, I mean, it's a glaive, it's, it's a staff. It's not that advanced compared to a charge blade, which, you know, has vials that literally can create power within it or a gun lance, which it's a gun lance, you know, like there's, there's small explanations on that. I don't know whether that's verified or not. So I want to go ahead and run that out there and just see if there's anything like definitive on that front. What I recall from Monster Hunter 4 was the the glaive itself, the kinsects, and how they kind of work together were pretty well uh, derivative and built from the guild. The crystal that is utilized to kind of control how those sounds are making, however, to communicate with the kinsect seemed to have been a, a slight offshoot from some recovered text. That's at least how I remember it through Monster Hunter 4, uh, which at least was how it was kind of introduced. Uh, whether or not there's any extra stipulation behind it, I might have to replay the game. But for what I remember, that's kind of where where at least I remember with the, the glaive in particular. But yeah, if anybody has any other thoughts on the glaive, that one I know has definitely been up for uh, kind of up for, for debate off and on. Mm. And but, also, uh, it's it's a ton of fun to use. Like, total lore aside, so God, it's the best weapon in the game. Like that, yeah. I, I, I was I was happy to introduce it to you. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed, dude. You you opened my eyes <laughs> to a world of fun. I can fly. Like, oh uh, lord. I'm gonna say you never have to land using the insect glaive. That's one thing I will say about oh. it. Oh yes. But to, to kind of move on, there was a few different things that uh, the ancient civilization, when all is said and done, really did push a little bit further. Uh, there's there, there are acts that they had performed that basically spit in the eyes of nature. One such one, and the reason that I refer to the Kushala as often as I do, actually comes back to places like the Sky Corridor, the Tower few other areas, but the tower in particular has been uh, actually named... Uh, this tower is actually outside of one of the first great forests that we know of within uh, the the world of Monster Hunter. Uh, you can actually see it in Monster Hunter 2 uh, and Monster Hunter Portable 2. But this tower has actually been confirmed to be made out of the parts of a Kushala Deora. Not just a, but many. Because there's no way that this towering behemoth could actually be made from one Kushala. And that just kind of begins some of the stuff that the ancient civilization will then be known for, is that they definitely, like I said, spit in the eyes of nature. They actually started to perform, and this was basically the thing that set them down the uh, wrong road entirely. Uh, it is called the Forbidden Act, or loosely called the Forbidden Act at least. The idea is that they wanted to actually create life. So they were basically looking to pull a Frankenstein, quite literally, pretty heavily. 
And the idea behind this forbidden act is that they would actually need to take life force from many other monsters to actually imbue it into and create a new one. The issue is, is that it would take at least 30 elder dragons to like begin to start to make one of these things. And by the end of it, to create the first one, at least for the, the records that we have, it took hundreds. So when you start to look at it from the ideas of balance, one life to end up equaling hundreds, possibly thousands, doesn't really fit too well with the laws of nature. Not to and mention, of is, course, that there's no will um, for the life being taken. You know, it's, it's pretty clear that Kushala, Deoro, whatever Wyvern was involved in the process is very much not willing as a participant. Right. They're really sad looking. Yeah. And even then, the uh, if, if you look at Kushala and how that's kind of advanced as well, that's one thing. But there are some, uh, if you end up looking online, check and Google for a search and look up the equal dragon weapon. That is what it was that the ancients had actually gone ahead and created. And the only one that we've been able to find fully has been basically found in an old factory that was sealed up by the ancients at one time or another. But this was the act that pushed the dragons to the absolute edge. And the thing that is actually interesting about this to note, the dragons and monsters that we know of within Monster Hunter are sentient. They have full knowledge of what it is that's going on. They want to work together with each other. They're actually even willing to, in some places and ideas, work with the ancients to figure out what it is that they're doing. Until, of course, the Forbidden Act, which pushes them completely over the edge. This ends up resulting in the Great Dragon War. And while it ended up killing off a ton of Elder Dragons or other monsters that we otherwise will never see again, we also found out that this was the end of anything the ancient civilization may have had. And there's, that's, that's bad on two fronts, because that means that basically everything is being wiped out. Like, from top to bottom, everything has basically been hit and hindered within nature, and this was the way for, kind of like it, it is in Star Wars, you know, you gotta, you gotta wipe the Jedi and the Sith out, and then that's how you create balance, right? Mm-hmm. That's basically how nature saw it fit to do it. That's how the, the dragons were even able to, to kind of figure it out or, or think that it made sense. And one very, very big dragon that actually came of this, one very <laughs> large legend, is Fatalis. Legend of the Black Dragon. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite bit of the entire lore. Oh. Fatalis... Oh. It is the if if hunters as they are seen today are seen as awful for wearing the parts of monsters or the ancients even for doing the same thing but creating spectacular towers or armor and weapons for their own meanings that way as well. Fatalis is the counter. Mm-hmm. The foil to humanity. Okay, so Quite Legend literally. of Black Dragon time, huh? Yep, I've got to say, Bife, if you want to take this one more than one. Oh, willing. God, yeah. Because <laughs> I've, I've got to say it again. Like, Fatalis is by far one of the coolest ideas for an endgame monster, and it only makes me more frustrated 
that we didn't get to see one in Monster Hunter World. Having said that, (laughs) it's got the potential to be an amazing DLC. Like, Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of stuff that would need to happen with all of that. You'd very much need to have it alongside an entirely different area, and we'll explain why that is momentarily, because that's actually kind of important. More importantly than any of that, though, it's integrally tied up with the ancient civilization. So it's like, whenever you mention uh, the Fatalis, you cannot ignore the Great Dragon War, because that's part of the entire reason that it is like it is. And for those of you who don't know, by the way, this is also... It's considered like the creme de la creme of endgame monsters in previous Monster Hunter games. From yep. Monster Hunter Freedom, uh, Monster Hunter... Was it in 2? I want to say it was in 2, but I'm it not was sure. In, it was in Portable 2, at least, yes. Mm-hmm. And then also they've revamped versions in 3 and in 4U as well. And there's like a whole bunch of different varieties um, that also go along with it. But it's uh, like the main one that you really want to worry about but as far as like the initial canon goes, is going to be uh, is actually going to be the black one, and then worry about the white one. Because right. of the three, there's black, crimson, and white. Um, but yeah, it all goes back actually to Monster Hunter Freedom, where we get the there's a magazine that you can pick up, and it's kind of this uh, amazing little. Um, it's a magazine that comes with a load of different sections. It's called Hunting Life. And the authors, they, they basically, the fiction of the universe states, oh, you know, you rent out a section much like you would in any other paper. It's almost like giving an opinion piece or a panel or whatever you want. Um, but it's, uh, it's really fascinating because one of the entries becomes really freaking dark and all of a sudden starts talking about this. So basically, do you, should we read the full thing on this? Because it's, it's a bit long, but it might be worth for the context. It, it actually might be. I don't know if you have it pulled up. I, I do not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I can yeah. I can give you guys that. Hang on, let me get that link. Uh, but yeah. Um, can we see, press this as, Discord. as Bipe's getting that pulled up, is Fatalis actually, like, how is he fusing the things to his chest or wherever he's fusing the, the human? Is he fusing the shields and the armor to him? Or? He's fusing the bodies and doing so you I assumed always the heat of his own fire, which you can imagine how unpleasant that is, considering there is a good chance those victims are still alive. Or worse, still alive. No, needless to say, deceased. Yeah. Yeah. So the. Certain certain armors that we actually have have a living component to them. And if Vitalis is meant to be the complete counter to what we were or the ancients were able to utilize, then they he was he was going to have some living components on him as well. Like he is meant to absolutely be the counter to what we are. Uh, and if you haven't picked up on it yet, there's a very graphic mechanic to Fatalis, uh, which I think we're going to actually talk about here through the the legend. If I'm if memory serves. Mm-hmm. So it reads as follows. Hasn't there been a song stuck in your head? A song sung by children all across the land. A song with soul sung diligently in the streets and in the alleys. What is that song? The legend of death, death by a giant wyvern, has been revived. It is the legend of the black dragon. Everyone should know it, as it's based on a famous fairy tale. <laughs> 
However, I think the fact that everyone is singing this song is actually a sign. They say children are always the first to foretell the changing of the world. They, they are said to have a special sense for these things. I've gathered as much information as I could from the corners of this world, and I've told those who should be told. However, no one believes me. That is why I've begged for a few pages in Hunting Life, to explain the legend to all who care to learn. The legend of the Black Dragon is said to exist everywhere, and whilst there are changes in the lyrics depending on the location, the content of the song is the same. So please understand that the lyrics printed below are representative of the song as I know it. The lyrics may be different where you are located. The Legend of the Black Dragon When the world is full of wyverns, the legend is revived. Meat is eaten, bone is crunched, and blood is sucked up dry. He burns the earth and melts through iron. He boils the rivers and mows down trees. He awakens the winds and lights an inferno. He is called Fatalis, the wyvern of destiny. He is called Fatalis, the wyvern of destruction. Call for help, run for your lives, and don't forget to pray to the skies. He is called Fatalis, the wyvern of destiny. He is called Fatalis, the wyvern of destruction. Fatalis, Fatalis, heaven and earth are yours. Fatalis, Fatalis. Heaven and earth are yours. And so you can kind of see vaguely the kind of ominous presence that this thing has, to say the very least. But be it, if you're referring to the mechanic I'm thinking of, you're thinking of meat is eaten, bone is crunched, blood is sucked up dry. Mm-hmm. And is that with the armor of the Fatalis as well? Because that's like that's what I'm thinking of at the very least. When I, Absolutely. When, yeah. So yeah. the old armor of the Fatalis has skill by which you wearing it would mean you would constantly take damage. Like it would literally kill you. You couldn't heal. If you went to sleep and you were wearing the armor, instead of healing you to full health, which is what it would typically do, it would literally end up killing you in your sleep. Yep. So this kind of feeds into the general mythos of the Fatalis armor generally, which is that it's really hard to even take one down, Right. But everyone who wears the armor of the Fatalis basically dies. And they it's not just death either, because they go through this entire process of what can only be described as slow insanity with some really nasty side effects along the way. So wait, wait, wait. we have some armor that has some hallucinogenic effects that Oh, if, it's it's more than that. Like if you if you honestly want to think about it as as Vex and relate it to that if we want to relate it to Destiny mm-hmm. at all. That's it actually a really apt worse. comparison. You, it gets worse. Yeah. So there are a few things that happen. First of all, you think that you're just hearing whispers, right? And that's creepy enough all in itself. But after all that's said and done, the person slowly starts to go insane. They start to wander off on their own. They start to become a lot more solitary as, as a result. But the reports then change to the fact that they literally start to grow the parts of a fatalis. Their entire body changes. They do not remain human. And after all that's said and done, they either die or disappear entirely. So, yeah. Comparison to one of the last episodes you guys did on Ash. Uh, don't give him fatalis. 
he doesn't need another different arm. <laughs> like, wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's really scary to do that. But then the Fatalis itself is just this, I mean, th- this is the entire reason that's recorded. And the only recorded reason, to be honest, for humanity losing the Great Dragon War is because of the intervention of the Fatalis. And in a certain sense, and this is what's going to sound even more terrifying about it, it's completely justified in everything that's being done. It's absolutely fair to do all this, right? I, I cannot look at Fatalis and say that it's wrong from a natural standpoint. I cannot. I, I look mm-hmm. at anything that is listed by the ancient civilization and go, do it. Like, you, you have mm-hmm. every right for balance to do this. And that is the scary thing, as much as it is the horrible thing. Mm-hmm. So Fatella shows up after like this Frankenstein monstrosity is created to help balance mm-hmm. the scales. Pretty much. And okay. and the thought yeah. behind the equal dragon weapon, just to kind of bring this a little bit more full circle, it was also meant to basically like rip into elder dragons. And the further that it could do so, the further they could actually feed on the blood of elder dragons and the, the, the meat and so on, it would actually live longer. And for it to actually be taken down or countered by Fatalis should tell you every idea of how nature needed to bring this about and bore it. Like, these were the reasons. This is, this is actually where, in a way, you could almost look back at the, uh, the, the lessons of or the tale of the five and kind of think that maybe Fatalis had a hand in the original crafting of the world based on that tale. And because mm. it needed to actually intervene and stop what was going on with the ancient, we got out of hand. Mm. That's what Indeed. it came down to. And it's even more interesting because if you look at weapons of one of the variants of the Fatalis, the white Fatalis, which is something we'll talk about in a second because again, it's really important. Yeah, um, That's actually something which is listed as having something which is honestly described by the game as divine. So it only feeds further into the fact that this monster is yet another one that is like Kieran in the sense that it's hard to explain it away without doing something where you have to talk about it being a bit of a mystical force of the universe, right? And in fact, it's even in the intro cutscene where it arrives in Monster Hunter for you. Spontaneously, the sun is blocked out by an eclipse, and then it's almost like it rides out of a portal. It's honestly, it's the only way that I can describe that. And if you thought that Akira summoning normal thunder was strange, the white fatalis summons red thunder. Ooh. Empress uh, Empress Blight, I want to say, is the yes. name for the combination of dragon and lightning that it uses. But that's for a little bit later. Um, <laughs> we need to, effectively we need to kind of get along with uh, talking about why that's important in the first place. And I think that honestly. The entire point of it is it starts by looking, we can start at least by looking at the best example of a place left behind by a fatalis. And also it goes back into feeding into the whole natural balance discussion. Because if we're talking about Shrade, we have to talk about the entire region. So the kingdom of Shrade is a point that used to exist within the world of Monster Hunter. And it's one of these really interesting points too, because in this day and age now, the modern Monster Hunter age, it's divided into western and eastern uh, provinces. And the castle is kind of right in the entirely abandoned area. Now, 
you know how things are. Nature will overtake normally and will allow, you know, everything to return to balance and ruins will be overrun and slowly vines will start to festoon all over the place again. And, you know, it runs its course. Not with Shrade, though. Shrade is a completely barren, blasted wasteland after the Fatalis arrived. And this is kind of something else that feeds into the nature of black dragons generally. And for the sake of context, they're not just dragons with black scales. They are literally an entirely different subcategorization of dragons that cause disasters because they are so freaking powerful. You know, they have their own special kind of classification. So if you look at what happens with Shrade, monsters and other forms of life generally do not live there. They don't go near there. They will avoid it like it's the plague. And if you go close there as a human, because we are idiots and we're a little bit curious, you will see the outline of an approaching, and you will then be left with very few choices other than run away screaming, because the Fatalis patrols this area. It hates all life that enters it, even other dragons. And this kind of shows a little bit to the kind of detriment that the world has been put to by the creation of Fatalis. So think about it, right? If it is a response to the equal dragon weapons creation, then all of a sudden you have nature responding by saying, we need something that is as abominable as this to put the world into balance again so that we have a chance of fighting back and existing. But the remnants of that required change are catastrophic to the point where life just does not exist in trade anymore. The sky is permanently stained dark with clouds. And again, there's that wonderful red thunder that keeps on raining down, like there is some kind of unnatural presence. And again, look at the Fatalis armor. All of that weird stuff where you will literally turn into a Fatalis, where you'll hear whispers in your head, there is something completely unnatural about that dragon. Something that is not unfairly described as evil. Because after all, if it is supposed to be a reflection of nature's response to the equal dragon weapon, why wouldn't it be, right? So yeah, that's kind of a thing. But trade is completely destroyed uh, after the Fatalis attacks it. And that's kind of the simple short version. Records are lost to time. Practically speaking, I think it's fair to say that there would have been either very few or no survivors of this incident whatsoever. But after all that's done, the scariest detail that comes out of all of this is the fact that if you face up against a white Fatalis, it's not only described as very old, but more often than not, canonically speaking, the quests kind of point to it being the first Fatalis, the same Fatalis that destroyed the Kingdom of Shrade. And so it just shows not only how powerful the monster is that it's still alive, but also this thing is intelligent and sentient and probably remembers and probably still has that same freaking purpose. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Like... You, you have a dragon that is out there that actively wants to destroy humanity. And it's really, really freaking powerful. So, yeah, scary nonsense, to say the very least. <laughs> well, and that's actually a, a great stepping stone on that one, just to kind of classify on Fatalis the three types. There is mm-hmm. the white one, as Bifit just mentioned, where it could be seen as the first one. There's the black one that may have actually evolved uh, out of, uh, into the white one, which is even more of the interesting part, if you will. 
which actually plays back to something in uh, Monster Hunter 4U that I'm, I hope we'll get to. Uh, and then there is the Crimson One, uh, or Crimson Ones, because there seem to be multiple of these more than there are any of the others. It's unknown mm. if these are meant to be uh, babies or anything like that, or if they're actually born of uh, hunters that actually had worn the armor of Fatalis, which mm. has some interesting implications, because if that's the case, then we're actually fighting in later games our hunter to a degree that mm-hmm. used to be in monster hunter, like one, two, etc., And that's just some scary implications to begin with. So we're, we're literally kind of being turned onto ourselves by having this, this, if you will, plague of fatalis still exist. Mm-hmm. It's a very big deal. That's why fatalis actually becomes such a big, between fatalis and the equal dragon weapon there these recurring themes that you have to keep up in, uh, keep in the back of your mind while even looking at or referring to newer monsters that you may see that exist within the game over time. Uh, the reason for this is actually something like Nergigante. He's new, but there are mm-hmm. some definite hints between perks on armor and stuff like that. He very well may have been some kind of experiment by the ancients. He may have been a perfected or a portion of an equal dragon weapon. And these are things that you have to kind of look at and start to to kind of consider. Because, again, it is more visual. It's based on the perks. It's based on the armor. It's based on how they, they look and kind of transfigure. And while not looking at Fatalis as like one of the things that is our equalizer in nature, that's that's a very big thing to always keep in the back of your mind. I think why my wife and I want to kind of harp on it as much as we do. It's just that that big and an important of a monster for sure. Mm. But that I've not, of, I don't, dude, can I say I've not contemplated that crimson ones might be us from previous games, but that's yeah. even more terrifying, dude. Because isn't it? The, if I, if I'm not mistaken, dude, the first fatalist that we ever face in Monster Hunter Freedom is one that we face within kind of the Lardva region, and it is a crimson one, right? Yeah. So that means this has been going, if that's the, the case, and if that's true, which again, it, it's like, I, I don't know if there's anything to confirm that, but this has been going on for generations. Like, this is, this is a problem. Like, this is a really big problem. Well, and that's the, the other portion that we're not sure about is how long it's been from the ancient civilization's demise through the Great Dragon War and Fatalis to where we are currently within Monster Hunter and, and its time. Like, we're not sure how long it took for the guild to actually be established or for the, the Waverians or human races to actually come up out of the ground again or anything of that notion. There's no set idea behind this. What we are sure of is that monsters started to be a big problem for us. We started to need to to rise up against them again, to kind of coat that balance again and start to kind of figure things out. And I think that's actually a good stepping point for like where we can start to introduce like this is this is more the modern day monster hunter because what we just got done with, like we mentioned before, was this this apocalyptic world that was starting to to be uh, kind of scene. And the post-apocalyptic is where monsters and nature start to overgrow into civilization as we know it today. 
post post apocalyptic stuff is when mm-hmm. a group of Wavarians start to actually hunt. Mm-hmm. And I think the the races are actually important to talk about here for a little bit. Uh, I, I think I have them a little bit further down in the notes, but the races are uh, kind of a few fold here. There's three semblances of humans that exist instead of just the, the typical humans. There's ones that seem to be a little bit more adept at being hunters than others. There's the typical standard run-of-the-mill human, like you or I probably would end up being. And there's also this uh, race of aquatic human that exists as well, which we actually find out with Monster Hunter Try. Uh, they have mm. these more uh, thinned feet and hands, or at least webbing between them. They still talk the same. They they still breathe in the same air and everything, but they're more <laughs> adept at at underwater combat and underwater movement. In fact, the entire idea behind Monster Hunter Try is that we're trying to save the ruins of the chieftain's uh, original civilization that he lived with, which mm. is kind of funny when all is said and done, but. Yeah, so another thing that I have to, I've got to say it right now, Bid, because yeah. it's just, it's one of the funniest details. Monster Hunter Try with its underwater combat. Mm-hmm. It, you, when you, I love when you said, you know, they still breathe air like us humans do, because in Monster <laughs> Hunter, in Monster Hunter 3, you can take on quests that, like in the old game, are 50 minutes long, but yep. you can spend the entirety of that underwater holding yep. your breath. Oh my so God. You can hold, you can hold your breath. For 50 minutes, faint underwater and you'll be fine. Fight underwater and you'll be fine. Swim underwater and you'll be constantly, by the way. And also get attacked by giant freaking monsters. And you're still holding your breath. And it's yep. just like, how? What is, it's the what? air of Mario. You basically, Where are your gills? Where are not, your gills? <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're not talking Mario 64 here, though. There's a limit to that. Oh, no, this is original Mario. Uh-huh. Uh, this mm-hmm. is, it, it's funny how, it, uh, how they started that. I was like, you know, maybe this is why nobody really liked underwater combat, because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but thankfully, they, they kind of moved away from that, which, uh, like, from, a, mm-hmm. from a gameplay standpoint, was not fun. But from a... We, I always kind of jest about it though. Like I wish we would see more of that because, like we see like today, and Bife, I'm sorry if I bring up that fear of yours again, but we don't know no. what's under the water, and even for us, we don't necessarily know like what it is that's uh, that was in the ancient times as well, like underneath the water, or or what has been swallowed up by water over time. Because again, this oh this idea of time. We don't know how long has actually passed uh, since the ancients were taken down. We have these giant towers that, again, we can reference. But if it's something that might have been underwater, that's that's we've avoided it or we haven't discovered it or looked into it too too deeply. Part of that's our technology within Monster Hunter too. Like we're we have a race of beings that can actually go underwater, but to actually get survey equipment down there might be difficult. We don't know. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I dredged up any. Oh no! Don't worry! Don't worry! Like this is the, this is the thing, right? For one, Monster Hunter's water is always perfectly clear, and two, <laughs> I know I can wear that thing like a hat. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that with like. I know that with like nothing else. You know, you give me a legato to fight, I'm fine. You you put me in Subnautica and it's Reaper Leviathan, and then I'm just like, nope. 
Nope, nope, nope. We're out. That's it. Well, now I just have an image of Bife with this uh, <laughs> dragon butt on his head. <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, he's, I mean, wait. He, he's wearing the, the wiggler. He's wearing the wiggler helmet. Is that what? That's not the butt. No. Yes. Oh, I know. Oh, that's my God. cue to break in. I know that item. I was going to say. I was going to say Blue's breaking in like Captain America over here being like, I understood that reference. I understood that reference. Oh, God. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> hey, there's your Disney reference for the movie, Yay! technically. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Sad. <laughs> sad times. <laughs> but there is a question that I've been avoiding in chat here for a little bit. And I promised I was going to answer it, and this is how I'm going to answer it. The question is, are monsters still sentient after the Dragon War? The answer is, we're not sure. <laughs> there is some evidence and and at least some points by the organizations that exist within Monster Hunter to showcase that there is some level that they move together, they, they can talk to each other, uh, that they, they certainly have uh, some means of communication, but they're not communicating with us anymore, especially not in the ways you would think of with, like, communicate a verse or anything like that. So. Mm-hmm. Are they sentient? I would say they may have lost some of that, especially after something like a Great Dragon War, uh, or especially after something like Fatalis that needed to be born. Or we These lost the elements. It. What's that? Or we lost it, lost the well, ability. And that's the other part of it, where we're not sure what the ancients even were. We're not mm-hmm. sure if the ancients were human. We're not oh, sure what? if they were... Yeah, we were not sure if there were variant. We're not sure if they were Linian, that like they were all Linians or something. Which <laughs> oh my God. Is, yeah, think about that for a second. Now all of a sudden, oh my, sorry, that's the be- I, that's I have the greatest image of just a race of overlord supercats building giant towers now, and you have no idea how funny that is to me because it's Monster Hunter, and it's crazy enough that that can be a thing. Hey, oh I like towers. And oh god, <laughs> they do like their stashes. They do like their loot. Oh lordy, I think we just broke the code. <laughs> oh my god! But to kind of move on with this, the Wavarians, as I mentioned before, are another race uh, that exists within the game. And you'll see that there are some that are short and tall. I read it as short and small. I don't know what I was smoking earlier. Uh, but there's the the two that you'll see, which are shorter. And then you'll see the others that seem to be a little bit more, you know, stout. They have a little bit more behind them. They're taller. Uh, they're actually the same race. Like, there's no difference between the the short or the, the large ones. It's just a matter that over time, the Wavarians actually shrink at a very large degree. But what should be noted of the Wavarians is that they are a mix between dragon and human. And that's basically how they end up getting their name. We're not necessarily sure of like what portions are dragon human, but they have unbelievably long lifespans in comparison to a normal human. And that's one reason that actually set them apart, especially as being hunters. They have this unerring ability to also be super strong uh, and then also end up being uh, super in touch with nature. And that's one of their biggest definitive qualities. This is actually one of the reasons that as a a basis for what the Hunter's Guild would be, the Wavarians are pretty much the obvious choice for what you would want to base all of your new laws around. 
they're not hunting for the sake of sport. They're hunting for the sake of protection. They're hunting for the sake of keeping things in balance. And they have this unnatural ability, or at least it, you and I would look at, to say that it is unnatural, that they are that in touch with nature. And this is why typically you'll see them, especially within games. They're, they're not hunters. They're researchers. They're botanists. They're, they're writers. They're uh, researchers chieftains. in the sense. Chieftains. Highly chieftains, in fact, almost yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll actually sit in high places. Uh, his immenseness within Dundorma in Monster <laughs> Hunter 4. Uh, he, he is one of the... It, he, he's, what was it, 16 or 20 feet? I forget the actual height of him. He, he's one of the it's weirdest... standing. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it's I... only sitting, because I don't think they clocked him at standing. Oh my but god. He he is so tall, so tall that the first time you look at him, you think you're looking at a house. Like that is just mm-hmm. how big this guy is. Uh, yeah. But that again kind of ties back to the ideas of them being a little bit more. You know, they 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 don't seem quite right or balanced within nature, but they fit perfectly. Everything that they do centers around that idea. Like they they try not to do too much with forges, actually. Even though now at this point they're kind of like the ones that basically do forge a lot of our weapons and armor, but they do it with the laws of nature in mind. They're, they're actually, if you look at a lot of like the smithing that's out there, they try to keep, uh, as you and I would probably look at it today, like carbon emissions and everything. They try to keep that to a dead low when, whenever it is only necessary to have a forge within a specific place. There's ones at certain outposts, but they're not typical. There are ones that actually have to, like places that need to import a good majority of their goods because they say, we can't institute this uh, at this time because of shortages on materials, shortages on monsters, etc. It's not a good hunting point for us. These are things that the Wavarians have to actually balance before you get to the hunters entirely. I don't know if there's anything anybody wanted to add on that. I hit it pretty squarely on the head. Okay. But, as a side note, because there was one race of human or one side of the humans that I didn't touch on, there are the humans that also have or seem to have the abilities, as I mentioned before, to be better hunters than others. These guys are wielding ridiculous weapons. They're huge. Look at a Mm greatsword. A greatsword is at least twice the size of a typical human being. And Mm -hmm. when you start to calculate this all together, it's not like we're we're winging it around like cloud strife here or anything like that, but we're at least moving it at a fair clip that we're able to recover the weapon, sheath it, and move. And yeah. this actually comes back to the idea of the possibility that humans and draconians can also be mixed. So human dragon, except not Wavarian. They got the strength aspects. The the humans ended up getting like the strength aspects of being able to wield these heavy suits of armor and heavy weapons that exist within the world and the universe. And that's a possibility that exists. We're not sure of that one. But that would end up buying into three types of human beings, uh, possibly one or two types. I'm I'm thinking only one type of Wavarian. Uh, and then you also have the Linians that exist. And the Linians are a broader category. There's... The Linians that are felines, but there's also the Linians that are 
tribal and wear masks all the time. They're the awesome looking. Aren't they? Aren't they? Mm-hmm. There, yeah. there's, a, there's a couple different ones uh, that actually exist. The first one that we knew of in the old world is called the Shakalaka. The Shakalaka. <laughs> are, boom! Yeah. Boom, Shakalaka. Oh, yes. I was waiting. I was waiting. But they always wear masks. They actually see this as like a coming-of-age ceremony for them. Uh, they rarely take them off. They rarely remove their mask. Uh, but it is funny because after you end up uh, knocking them out and they tunnel into the ground and then burrow to God knows where, they'll leave their mask behind. <laughs> but we've never seen any without one. So that should kind of give you the idea of like how mysterious these guys are in a way. Uh, but they're very tribal. But they do have a king that they serve. And it seems like these kings are basically between regions. It doesn't necessarily seem like there's one that... Uh, over arcs or, or leads them. So in a way, kind of like how it is with us and our chiefs within the villages and outposts that we have, the Shakalaka also have their own outposts and their own chiefs. And their their language very well fits this tribal aspecting, but it also ends up fitting more of like the... God, I'm trying to think of something that Shaka would say, or um, or Kayamba. Cha-cha-cha, not Shaka. Um, there are two Shakalaka that we really know of. Uh, one is called Chacha, and the other is Kayamba. And these two are actually after, uh, also within Monster Hunter Tri. You know, for hating that game as much as I did, I, I really do reference it a lot. Uh, the biggest thing, though, between them, they were actually looking for the legendary mask. They lost it, and the entire reason that they join us, the hunter, is to try to get it back. Uh but their language is kind of sparked and stuttered. There's not really a lot behind it that you can... Uh, it, it's still very easy to understand, but it's different. Felines, on the other hand, are the, the other side of the whole idea. Uh, felines actually are, as you could probably guess, more cat-like. And there are two types of feline lineage that we know of, at least in the old world, and they are felines and melanks. Melinks are generally more uh, darker furred and don't generally, uh, they, they generally have more of like a, a heavier temperament to them. Uh, mm-hmm. If they see you, they're going to attack you. They're going to steal stuff from you. They dig into your bags and take all your potions. Ah, thieving little jerks. And have you ever also- had one of, have you ever had one of those steal an ancient potion? Sorry, I need to vent about this now because I had uh-huh. this, I had this happen and I wiped on a hunt against like, a camellios on it and i was i might have quit the game entirely at that point i've 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 never been so furious because i was poisoned and i was like it's okay my stats may be going down but too because i need to recover i'll just pop this ancient put oh no you have fainted rewards have decreased to zero returning to camp (laughs) quest failed wait okay sp thrown to the other side of the yeah, Which kind bad. of these felines stole from you? Malinks. Malinks. Yeah. <sighs> felines, on the other hand, are very much different. Felines yes. are much more friendly and mm-hmm. will not attack unless provoked in the older games, if I'm not mistaken. And even then, it was like they were often in areas in which you couldn't draw your weapons. And in some instances, it, well, this becomes a point of like regularity when you go to the towns later. They basically just become a, they are a part of human society and are very much accepted. 
to the point where some um, felines will actually become palicos and they will join hunters on their hunts and will literally be warriors by their sides and not bad warriors for that point either. Like if you've seen what they can do in Monster Hunter World, palico gadgets are really freaking powerful. Like the buffs you can get, the healing you can get off on Figure Wasp, the Thunder Cage and the stun and the ability to even just trap a monster. Like it's some seriously powerful stuff that they can bring to the table. Well, not only that, in Monster Hunter Generations, they were actually given the ability to be hunters. The uh, the important things with felines, or palico felines especially, is that they are very well respected within the guild, and they are very well respected by the hunters that they uh, are around. But certain ones are authorized to be prowlers, and these prowlers actually do have the ability to go out solo on hunts on their own bring back materials, whatever else they want to, and they do work. All they do is basically amplify what a hunter can do to another different level, which is absolutely insane to me. Uh, But they're very trusted, especially within the guild as a whole, uh, but only after they've kind of proven themselves. But there's still plenty of felines and melinks that kind of exist on their own, uh, and don't really come into towns or outposts or anything like that. Which I know Chad is kind of blowing up about uh, the other two new ones that are out there, the Gajalaka and the Grimalkins. And yes, Grimalkins are the newer uh, race of feline lineage that we have. But they look and act differently. The biggest thing about them, they haven't really developed a full sense of language like felines seem to have to kind of communicate with us, though we're a very big outlier, of course, in their situation. We haven't actually, like, really pushed ourselves onto them or looked at anything uh, to to actually communicate with them, minus, like, the uh, third research commission, which was only, like, ten years prior. But then the Gajalaka are the same way, but we don't really get to communicate with them until like way into the subquests of Monster Hunter World. Uh, it takes a lot to actually talk with these guys. But the Gajalaka are similar then to the Shakalaka, so you can probably guess with the naming. But I'm wondering, after I've kind of named all these different races, the question, and it was one actually that Green had posed in our chat, are there elements of evolution anywhere in the game? I think this kind of summed it up. There are, even within the base races that we have that I've probably been talking about for like 15 minutes here, there are these different races that exist as subspecies besides. And all of this actually translates to monsters just as much. There's, there's the, uh, the Rathalos is a very big example. Uh, there is the Azure Rathalos and the Standard Rathalos. And then there's this weird outlier that exists called the Silver Rathalos. And I know the naming scheme is is really, you know, really, really inventive and, and really hits home, but the, the problem with the Silver one in particular, the Silver Rathalos seem to have actually been cultivated by the ancient civilization. These were actually put in place to guard certain areas. And there's another one that fits the same bill, and it's actually the female version, which is the Gold Raytheon. 
Raytheon also has a pink variant, a natural variant. But never have we seen the gold outside of these guarded locations that may have existed with the ancient civilization in any regard. And that's where the questions start to spark about any of the races that actually exist within Monster Hunter as a whole. How much of it meant that the felines, the Bikramulkin feline melinks, were not some kind of experiment that may have been done by the ancient? These are questions that have no basis in either fact or given reason, but it's just kind of going along with this idea that subspecies are a very big thing in Monster Hunter. And we see it with our own as much as we do with Elder Dragons, with either molting and, and different races that exist, like Crimson Fatalis, White Fatalis, Black Fatalis, or is it something as simple as, say, Rusted Kushala Deora, where it's breaking out of its skin or about to? And these are, are questions that kind of exist only because we don't have the answers to them, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, it's something that's always brought up with Kushala as well. Yeah. Because right? some of the instances in which um, dragons are cultivated to guard the tower often reference Kushala as being one of those dragons. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a few other really interesting instances. And again, it goes back to the point of the ancient civilization messes around with everything, balance of nature, etc. There's mm-hmm. actually. So, oh, you're going to have to jog my memory on as well as which game it was. There was a dragon that the ancient civilization worshipped as well, Like, they literally saw it as a god. I'm trying to remember which one it is. I'm wondering if you're not thinking of um, Magala, perhaps? As in Shiguru's... um, Shiguru Magala or Ogomagala? No, I don't don't think so. It's it's different. Like, the... The armor reminds me of Zenoga armor because it ends up being gold and blue, but it's not Zenoga, of course. Because, yeah, oh. different, totally different. Oh, God, it's killing me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up again, because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to say I think I'll lose mine too, unless you find that one. Because uh, the one that I was thinking of was uh, actually something that comes back to the Fatalist idea. Uh, Shigaru Magala, Gore Magala are actually the same exact monster. And it holds a lot of theory behind, especially like spinfoil theory of like how some of these exist. But after the Gore Magala sheds its overall black scales, it actually becomes a white variant. Uh, And it actually has something called the frenzy virus that it can actually spread. Uh, Heaven's Wheel is what it is also called as another piece of trivia. Probably one of my favorite monsters. I think it was actually said that it was... uh, Hideos, the uh, creator, uh, producer of the game, uh, as being his favorite monster as well. But amazing monster. I hope we see it again. Mm. Any luck, Pyth? Nethru Garamudu, uh, I think might have been the one. Nethru Garamudu. I think that's a uh, Monster Hunter Frontier monster. It sounds like it because it's not, as far as I know, it doesn't. It's definitely not three, and I don't believe it appears in mm. four either. Which means it's got to be frontier, because well, the you know, at that point, it just becomes a case of like how recently was it added, right? Mm. And the biggest problem uh, that I that I should probably preface this whole thing with, I am going by the release titles that we have here in the states. Largely, the problem is is that Monster oh, Hunter Frontier 
uh, is uh, unfortunately a game that we never got over here, uh, and you have to basically VPN into to even play. Um, mm-hmm. But it was the the Japanese MMO version, basically of of uh, of Monster Hunter. Which is such a shame because why why would you not release that over here? Come on, right? I gotta say, oh. I think they, they they might rethink it now with the success of World, but I I doubt mm-hmm. it only because it's so old. Uh, they they also introduced a different type of switch axe with that one, uh, if memory serves, which actually stood completely different from the switch axe that we have in game. Uh, and they also introduced the tanfa as a weapon as well. Uh, both of those weapons actually though were crafted of the Guild Age which is kind of important to kind of keep in mind. I, I loved that they made a, a distinction between them. But that's uh, that's part of it. Like, if you if you really start to, like, dig into Frontier, Frontier has a, a very big different backstory and really digs into the ancient civilization a little bit more. Uh, but a lot of it comes from uh, kind of un... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, un, unreliable translation in a lot of ways. So you have to be careful, like how we end up uh, taking a look into a lot of that stuff from Frontier. But I seem to recall now that you you brought that one up, by Yeah, I'm starting to remember it a little bit. It's been so long since I've looked over most of the stuff for Frontier, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've also got to bring this up as well because Frontier brings up a really interesting point. If it is indeed, in fact, no, I take that back because it might be Monster to Double Cross where this happens, but. One of the final bosses they introduced as DLC for Monster Hunter Cross, or I think it was DLC at least, is a tip is not exactly a typical monster. Like it seems a bit typical at first when you fight it because it's just a big insect, and you fight a, a few big insects in Monster Hunter generally, you know. Right. But the really interesting thing is it then manipulates parts that are around it in its arena. And it makes what is quite convincingly a wyvern machine soldier around it and then animates it. Right. Which is, I mean, like, holy lord. That, I, I've seen, I've not been able to do this fight, personally. Because, right. again, it, you know, there's, there's a gap in this. But, oh my god. Holy lord. It's the coolest thing to see. Because this thing is, like, covered in dragon. Literally looks like it's a mechanical dragon. And it's just, man, what way to freaking bring the fiction to life yep and if there's there's any hold true behind it being either related to full nature which would be even even more weird and wacky that just says like how crazy a lot of the uh the stuff within nature and monster hunter is but if it holds some more truth that it's an ancient civilization weapon oh boy can we can we get that over here, please? You wanna you wanna port mm-hmm. that fight over here? Like that's please the, and thank you. Yeah, really. That's the that's the kind of stuff that kind of makes me uh, lose my mind because there are a lot of fights that I cannot decipher only because it, it would one it would probably take me about a year to really catch up on everything <laughs> because mm-hmm. Frontier has been around for a long time and they've had a ton of releases, but that's. Uh, yeah, if you if you decide to look into Monster Hunter Frontier, just keep in mind that the information I get from uh, from that is a little limited. But I have kind of slapped around the, the the races here a little bit. Let's actually get into uh, another piece of about like how the guild actually came to be, 
because the guild is the largest organization that exists within Monster Hunter. You you see it from point one about like how uh, the guild actually uh, is basically everywhere. It is within every single thing that you that you do. You as a hunter, you can't really do stuff without the guild being there. But it started with, like I said before, four Wavarians. These four Wavarians actually came out of a little town called Kokoto. And Kokoto has a very storied past. But these Wavarians started to showcase that, yes, we can rise up, we can go ahead and fight these things. And the chieftain of Kokoto, which is basically the only way that we really know him, as far as I remember, is actually known as being one of the legendary hunters who had actually slayed a very powerful monster, uh, a white monobloss with only a sword and shield. The thing about monobloss or diablos, both of these are actually very tough-skinned, tough-hided monsters, and they can take a beating. They're... Mm-hmm. Uh, their hind legs, uh, which is really all they they're they're a wyvern, so by all technicalities they have no arms, but they've got kind of this enlarged head, and as you could probably figure by the the name mono or die, one is a single horned monster, another is a double horned monster. This one was the single horned variety. Doesn't mean it's any less powerful. Oh it's, yeah. it's still just as nasty. It's me. But it's very mean, and it'll run at you across a desert, and it doesn't care, and it won't stop. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless it hits a wall, in which case it's very, very upset. It, yeah, and, and then that's a <laughs> great way to... I mean, it's, it's, it's small, small, small tangent for mechanics. Seeing so, that's sorry. The, the reason I laugh is because Green and I literally were just having a similar conversation about the trolls in Skyrim. Yes, <laughs> so because so. she's like, I hate these things. I was like, Oh, you just need a wall, just like no, get just, it, get no, it. no, just the one that I posted in the picture, the one that's on the stinking mountain. Oh, the, the mountain. <laughs> just mm-hmm. that one. Sorry, that's, but that's, that's like literally it was my response to her was like, just corner it, and find somewhere <laughs> you can hide. Mm-hmm. That basically. <laughs> Uh, it is the gatekeeper, but okay. Yep. So, if you have played Monster Hunter World, you will see one of the mechanics for Diablos, which is also shared by Monoblos, if I'm not mistaken. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, practically speaking, almost an identical monster. If you are in the underground area where you fight it typically, and it charges into one of the walls, there is a chance that it will literally charge with such force that it will get its horns stuck, and it will have to jerk them out of there. The Monobolus will do this too, but in Monster Hunter um, Freedom uh, and just the earlier games, basically, it was a lot easier to do. You could do it with practically any wall. One of the better strategies, in fact, was if its horn wasn't detached, just let it run into the wall and then attack its tail or its legs. Because mm-hmm. that idiot's going to sit there and he's going to like yank his head out for a solid like 20 seconds or so, and you're going to get some sick damage in there. So Would, yeah, that's, that's that's context, but uh, I've totally derailed us that bit. Go go. That's <laughs> all right. The the other piece behind it too, like if you're uh, if he's exhausted, that even adds to it. Mm-hmm. But to just kind of like it, it adds to the time that it takes for him to actually yank his head out from the wall. The the issue 
though, and, and this kind of ties back to like how fierce this monster is, uh, and why it is so impressive that the the Wavarian, uh, this this original Wavarian hunter took it down with just a sword and shield. Uh, it's just the simple fact that it doesn't exhaust easy. Diablos and Monoblos are very tough monsters. Uh, so again, they don't, they they generally don't stop charging unless they have to, in cases of hitting a wall or stone pillar or something like that. Uh, but they are very, very nasty monsters. So this started to kind of travel in a lot of different circles and started to build that this Wavarian uh, had actually taken it down solo. It started to turn into a team that started to turn into something else, and they started to take down larger and larger monsters. And this actually leads to something that's a bit tragic. Uh, the uh, our, our Kokoto chieftain, unfortunately, never marries, and he never does marry or, or pass down any of his lineage for a very big reason. And it comes down to a hunt with a Lao Shan Long. The Lao Shan Long is a very monstrous-sized monster. If you're thinking of a monster, and you're thinking of a Rathalos, put about, put, put about 30 of those together, maybe? Maybe? Yeah. It's, if, I'm, like, if I'm not mistaken, the actual size of it in terms of its overall length, is something like 170 meters yeah. in length. Somewhere and around yeah. there, if memory serves. It's it is, huge. It, it gets to the point where the name itself is actually telling us to the nature of the beast, because Lao Shang Long, if you translate it from Japanese, literally is a direct translation of old mountain dragon. Yep. And when it says mountain, it's not referencing the habitat in which it lives necessarily. It's more referencing the size of the freaking dragon which is what's so impressive. And it's also not alone in terms of like variation thereof or in terms of size. Like there mm-hmm. are other monsters that actually fit uh, the, the same kind of size and then some. So yeah. don't Looking think at, it's... Yeah. What's that? Looking at you, Delamado. Oh my yes. God. Oh. Like a, a, a big scary skip. <laughs> you know, we need to say, show wait, that to Justin with snakes. I was going to oh say, "Where's God. Justin?" Oh my God, <laughs> we got to show Justin. No, I'm I'm sending you the intro to this on like the private text right now. You will see it and you will yes. understand. I you want you to it. save this and show it to Justin and record it because it's going yes. to be gold. It's oh, going to be yes. wonderful. He's going to enjoy it. Bid for context, I'm sending. I think that intro is even better. Okay, <laughs> that that'll that'll work. Mm-hmm. But yes, God. large size monsters are definitely not something that's like atypical to this game. Uh, and this this particular hunt, however, they uh, ended up taking out five hunters. Probably for those in the chat, you're probably thinking, "Oh, this is exactly where the other thing for five comes from." Let it not be confused with the Tale of the Five. Mm-hmm. The Tale of the Five is very much a, a nice instance. It's the coming of, you know, all creation. This involves one of the principal functions or, or ideas and tenets of the guild. And it is, thou shalt have no more than four hunters on a squad 
Because if you bring along your fiance, she's probably going to wind up dead. Mm-hmm. Long story short, the and and as bluntly, I guess, as it, it came out there, uh, the Kokoto chieftains uh, or, or then lead hunter's wife had actually lost her life uh, fighting this Lao Shenlong. And from there, it's always been stated or thought that anybody or any group that is larger than five hunters is either a cursed expedition or it is effectively doomed to failure. Period. It is bad luck for any hunters groups to go out more than four. Now, there are some exceptions to this. Uh, in Monster Hunter World, you'll actually see the Research Commission uh, come together more often than actually like once or twice at this point to fight off things like these or uh, Zora Magdros. And this monster is actually large enough that kind of, I think it would actually be taller if if memory serves than what Lao Shenlong would be. At yes. Least. So it, it's a, size comparison again, if I'm remembering correctly from the mm-hmm. wiki and other sources, Laoshan Long is about 170 meters uh, in total length. Zora Magdros is about 269 or so. So it's right. it's definitely bigger, and that right. scarier. Definitely is. It's um, it, it is easily one of the largest monsters I think that we fight in the entire series, mm-hmm. probably next to uh, the the Dalamador because I think that's still the the yes, by still all the biggest. Yeah. And Which again, I think it's only because I, it, it coils. <laughs> uh, yeah, longest technically, and you know, it's it's one of those things of like every series kind of has to have something like the oh god, the Moren, uh, where it's just like Shen a huge yes. Shen Moren. There we go. Where it's just like a, a huge freaking monster where you just face it, and it's just a massive spectacle fight. Yep. So I, I mean, yeah, with that one, it, it's absolutely the case. Well, also, I, I, I've got to say it again. I'm so happy that the biggest spectacle fight in Monster Hunter history is a snake, just for I the know. sake of Justin. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so good. It's it fits just, so it's well. perfect. It's like perfect. I, say, I think that's why we had to cover Monster Hunter on this channel. There it is. Mm-hmm. That's the entire reason, right oh, there. <laughs> my, just my for you, Justin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Buddy. Mm-hmm. That is terrifying. That is great animation for like. Yep. Uh, even I mm-hmm. know that's an older game and it's a 3DS game, but dear lord, that is yeah. cinematic. Is but it for not you, just for you? Actually, uses the new engine that they've had for Monster Hunter though as well, which should actually mm. tell you the testament to how good that engine is. Yeah. But considering they pull, uh, they pop that on the 3DS, and they only had 240 pixels to work with. That should tell you how good their animation team is. So for mm-hmm. all of us out there who have been screaming for a good console port, like something on, I don't know, PS4 and Xbox One and PC, that's why these guys are fantastic at what they do in the art aspect. And what their their details are meant to be detailed. If I if I haven't stressed that enough. Like that's just how important it is for, for a game like Monster Hunter to be that detailed. So Oh, incredible. I, I'm hoping we can, uh, I, I'm sure we'll have that, that little intro in the, the show notes too, but <laughs> that one is one of the best, one of the best. Anyway, I keep dancing around this whole idea. Yeah. She, uh, 
good grief if I can get tied off on this story anymore. <laughs> the idea of five uh, is literally that you you can't take much more than four hunters with you except in certain circumstances. And even then it has to be vetted by the guild in order to do so. It's actually reasons that the 50 limit time limit is uh, in place, as well as also the uh, the rule of why you can't have more than four. Now, obviously, there was a the the cool thing is is that there was a gameplay limitation to this. Originally, they had found for balancing, if you took more than four hunters, it was something where the the monsters were just it, it was a completely imbalanced idea. You couldn't do more than that because the monster would just fall over dead with a fifth hunter. So they said to balance things and to make it work, we had to limit it to four. But how freaking cool is it that they actually gave us a, a fic, uh, like a a full fictional reason? factual reason why we cannot have more than four hunters and it was something that actually kind of pulled at the the heartstrings besides like it was it's a very big ordeal for the guild to allow more than four hunters in one sitting and it's all because of the original hunter group those original four wavarians but again he doesn't he doesn't get married that group actually splits up completely and it's thought that that's actually where the guild ends up kind of forming. But the interesting thing, again, as we kind of mentioned earlier, Wavarians have very little to do with actual hunting. A lot of times, Wavarians are there more as guides. They're, they're there as showcasing this is what we can do, and they allow humanity to effectively, since it, it, it does feel like humanity is more the the highly populated species you could say within monster hunters universe they allow for them to kind of do their own thing to kind of say and possibly if we are the ancients and whatnot this is our redemption to keep nature in balance wavarians help a little bit but that's the idea but hunters uh the hunters guild is basically formed from the idea of keeping things in check and it is not something where you're constantly sent down on hunts to say, well, there's one of these things getting really close to us. Not really. It seems like that from a gameplay aspect, but really you're only hunting one, maybe two of those monsters at most. And that's the thing to kind of keep in mind for the sake of balance. There's not these these certain monsters, say Zenogre, since we brought that one up before, they're very pack-heavy. They they have the ability that they can breed a little bit more commonly. So they maybe have one or two that kind of go as outliers within the different regions of the world. And yeah, they have to be killed off because they, they kind of just step into the wrong vicinity or get too close to uh, civilization. That's what the guild is kind of in check up. So think about it from, from maybe our ends today. I think uh Myling game summed it up perfectly when he said it was, uh, as if we have today where there's uh, deforestation limits, uh, where there's fishing limits and so on, or there's hunting limits even for, you know, for uh, hunters that may go out to hunt deer or otherwise. These are things actually that the guild is in place of to ensure mm -hmm. that balance is not tipped too far in one direction or the other. And, and on the flip side of it as well, sorry to cut in as well, it's, sure. uh, it's not even just hunting limits, but also in realistic society if uh one species gets completely out of balance and there's too many of them around 
the reverse is ordered, a cull is ordered. And sometimes this is the justification for some hunts where the limitations on hunting certain monsters are temporarily, you know, rescinded and hunters are allowed to go and pursue these monsters. But yeah. Well, and that's actually brought up pretty heavily with, uh, since we keep talking about Monster Hunter for you, I'll, I'll talk about this one. There's a monster called the Seregios. Seregios is an invasive monster, and it does actually have pack mentality. The problem is, is that there was one Apex Seregios, and yes, Apex is a very large term for a, a kind of think of like a tempered, uh, if, if you've played Monster Hunter World, it's similar to that. Tempered is nothing to an Apex, and Apex is worse. But these uh, Apex, the, this Apex Seregios drove the other Seregios out. And now this, this entire, like, heavily, uh, heavily spawning possible monster is now invading this other area. And it's not good for the ecology at all. That orders a cult. And that is one of the, I think, more popular callings that actually uh, we start to see. In a way, it's kind of a shame because Seregios is forced out of its natural habitat. But for it to remain in the area that it's in would actually cause complete destitution to any of the uh, of the surrounding uh, land and area. Because mm. aside from anything else, in the cutscenes at the very least, it starts going after Rathalos and Rathian, which mm. then, you know, let's be realistic, Elder Dragons exist, but they are yep. still very much top-chain predators. They are really high up there. They can take on, in the context of Monster Hunter World, anything else that would naturally occur within the bounds of forest, aside from, you know, those super predators that will roam around, such as the basil goose and the devil here, or an elder dragon. These are top of the natural food chain of the occurring area. And in a sense, it kind of makes, it kind of puts Seregios on that similar level to um, a basil goose then, because, you know, <laughs> invasive species once more. Right. Well, I'm going to say you've got Basil Goose, you've got uh, the the Devil Show, which was just introduced again to us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all of these, end up fitting into that that same kind of realm of invasive species that you have to be very worried about. Uh, for instance, uh, let's talk about Devil Show for a little bit. They, I think, go over the monsters' lore and background very well within Monster Hunter World again. But it is literally the World Eater. It doesn't matter the what it is. Great Devourer. It doesn't matter what it is, predator or prey, it'll eat it. It's it, totally fine with doing so. It will eat freaking elder dragons if given the chance. Uh huh. It is a hungry, hungry boy. Hungry yeah. hippo? It's <laughs> a hungry, hungry pickle, man. The hungriest <laughs> pickle you've ever seen. And the meanest pickle. one, too. Yeah, it, like, it, it's, now, now I have a picture. So... I have a picture of a sea cucumber. <laughs> Chasing a dragon. <laughs> it's actually not far off. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Imagine, it's so imagine, funny because uh, if you've ever seen a sea cucumber, <laughs> the most unthreatening <laughs> things ever. Oh my so, god! So Jay, I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine this. Imagine a T Rex and a sea cucumber had a baby. <laughs> that's, that's definitely. <laughs> It's, I'm sure Green is looking up a picture now, but yes, that is an apt description. It is. That is oh such an apt description. 
And I mean, you laugh, but that it's the it's honestly a tempered devil hill is one of the hardest fights in Monster Hunter World right now. It's up there with tempered Nerg as far as like pure difficulty of the raw damage of each attack. And oh my god, defense down is rude. It's so hard to manage if you don't know what you're doing. So be careful. And regardless, like that should actually tell you how like nasty this monster is to be seen in the wild. So as soon as the research commissions start to see this thing out there in the new world, they're like, no, we got to kill it. Like this thing cannot stay here, Uh, especially with an ecology that's already being like ravaged and changed so quickly, be it from the research commission being there or otherwise. That's that's a big deal for a devil show to be within these areas. For certain places uh, within the old world, Devil Show is on an e- uh, a quick hunt list. Like, y- you go and kill it. In other places, however, it's on a no-hunt list because it overall could be, uh, it, it, like, one is seen and that's it. Like, that's where you have to be careful in this, this balanced measure. Uh, why Zenogre was so big when it was introduced because it was actually found to be a, a full wild pack. And yes, you could have a culling on those if it was bad enough. Uh, and even then, of course, again, there are these differences with. Uh, there's your there's your picture, Jay. There are these. Oh my God! It uh, is a it's a sea cucumber with legs. It is seriously really is. a sea cucumber <laughs> with legs. So I'm it sorry really to, to interrupt you real quick. <laughs> no, you I'm said well you said the most nasty monster ever, <laughs> and all I could think was, "Yep, that's a sea cucumber." <laughs> because uh-huh. okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this fully, but if you're curious why I say this, go look up a sea cucumber's defense mechanism, and you'll understand oh. why. It is the oh. most disgusting thing ever it's effective don't get me wrong it's extremely effective mostly because every predator (laughs) every predator is like what the (laughs) would it also help you to know that one of the attacks that devil joe has please don't say what i think you're about to say it's a dragon breath attack like it literally spits out like hot dragon fire yeah (laughs) So there's so many, there's so many comments. There's so many comments that I want to make. Uh-huh. But this is PG-13, <laughs> I isn't know. It? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm trying to censor so hard. I'm sorry. Because I'm the sorry. picture, its tail is a sea cucumber. I'm going to yep. die. It can, it's, its tail can also be severed. So that's another point to know. <laughs> please tell me. Please tell me that tail comes uh, after we've you. We've lost him. <laughs> please tell me the tail like is an earthworm. No, no but um, so this is this is a very entertaining thing. This does not happen in world, I believe. But in older iterations of Monster Hunter, if I'm not mistaken, the devil yo was infamous for being so hungry that if you laid down a piece of meat. No matter what happened, even if it was in the middle of the fight, it would go ahead and eat that piece of meat. <laughs> it would also eat its own tail if it got. Oh severed. God! Yep. So yeah, it literally like, eats anything. That's it does. Yeah, it's hungry, it hungry boy. It is really hungry. <laughs> it it is literally like it will devour everything. If it could devour the world, it would. That is mm-hmm. how ridiculous See, this thing is. Thanks they, to right, thanks to you and Green now I have number. I have the image of my son's hungry hungry hippo game with like four of these yep. things like nah, 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 right. nah, yes. nah, oh no nah, it's oh, gonna be photoshopped now that we said it I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry it's <laughs> gonna happen so anytime hungry hungry hippo 
hungry, hungry, hungry hip checks? What? Hip yours. Hip yours. Hip yours. Oh, yours. Lord. <laughs> oh. Okay, oh, sorry. I've told, okay. I, we've, we've gone a complete tangent. I'm so sorry. Well, the have, thing, the thing is, still... is like the top of that head would totally work on the Hungry Hungry Hippos game. I'm totally. Yeah, it would. Right. It would. Right. Totally. I'm totally, totally on this tangent. This is like when Beard showed me the wiggly helmet. Okay. Like That's I was like, I was like, what is this glorious thing? <laughs> oh my god. It's kind of, okay. Have you seen? Have you seen the? Um, I hate to. I hate to be the one who goes full memester, but have you seen the shooting stars meme of that? Because oh when they, God, no, when they but I'm going to go helmet. watch that up now or go look that up now. I'm, 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 I'm looking because I'm, I need to find this. But when they originally introduced the Wiggler helmet, it was a complete surprise to the first few people that did it. You also had mantles in the game, right, in Monster Hunter World right now, which will cut off certain parts of your appearance. The Wiggler helmet is completely hidden by it. And then there's, one, mm-hmm. there's this one perfect video with it. Where the person just takes off the mantle and the helmet just appears and they jump <laughs> off a cliff and that's and that's how they get the shooting star meme and it's just oh my god it's perfect so, dude it's so, amazing so the best the best part about the Wiggler helmet is the the part where Monster Hunter has hands down like of all the all the video games that I've really kind of watched they have some really good cutscenes. <laughs> Uh, you guys, yeah, you guys oh, have yeah. you guys have mentioned that a number of times. Like the cutscenes are amazing, <laughs> which makes the Wiggler helmet so much better because yep. they do they do the thing where they they allow your character's equipment to be shown in these epic cutscenes, and it's like one of the best <laughs> things ever. It's like I can't it's remember so what it's, but like someone's getting attacked by this monster, and you hear this little like the heroic like swell of the music, and then over the over the ridge comes the Wiggler helmet, and it's just like, <laughs> mah, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you just ruined everything. <laughs> it's amazing too, because sometimes you'll have a conversation with your handler. <laughs> Except they're not talking to your face. They're talking to, like, your neck. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's even better about this is the fact that Monster Hunter World has a replay cutscene option. So you can go back with this gear and really replay everything and see it with the Wiggler helm. Or with the newer one that they added with yeah, the Yaku uh, Kalu helmet, where you literally look like that raptor. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. Oh, it's wonderful. It's that's that's all right. If there is any appeal to Monster Hunter, if you are still thinking about like trying to get into it at all and you haven't because you're some kind of crazy fiend or something, you know, nothing, yeah, nothing held by that. Just do it for one thing. Secondarily, Monster Hunter does not take itself seriously. Yes, mm-hmm. we have gone over a lot of stuff here that's pretty like dark and undertones and everything, but it's the the whole idea that there has to be this balance of Yes, you're going to have the bad times. You're also going to have the good. And I think that they've always, in my mind, made that very clear with the way that it, uh, it is kind of presented. And that undertone actually continues to carry along, even with Monster Hunter World all the way to the end. That's one of the best things about the game, and it's one of the best things about the stories that they've had. Even if the stories haven't been like too enthralling or intricate or anything... It's still, yes, there were some bad times that happened, but we're still here, we're still surviving, we're still doing what we can, we just gotta push on to another day. And I think that's the Mm -hmm. fantastic thing about them, along with, again, 
not taking themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. And saying, yes, you can absolutely spend your entire time underwater. <laughs> and you can absolutely <laughs> wield a grip that is twice your freaking size. Right. And yes, the Wiggler helmet has stats that might be viable in some builds. <laughs> You mean in a lot of builds, which yes. is awful. Which is what's really <laughs> about it. Too. That's that's the bet. That's actually even better. Is that like they designed it so that you can act like it's like no, you actually don't have to sacrifice much to wear this. Like we're gonna right. we're gonna make it where this is actually viable because what's we want you to is, play with it. <laughs> what's even better is the fact that they've actually allowed like the the lower end armor to be upgraded to the higher end armor point. So oh, yes, that's nice. Yeah, it's that's viable. You can wear it at Endgame. <laughs> it's amazing. See, it's this is amazing. <laughs> so I just sent the chat on a scale of Hungry Hungry Devil O to Wiggler Helmet. How are you feeling today? <laughs> and Green's my response, re- Green's response was, which one's which the end bad is one? The bad end? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> anyway, honestly, I. I feel like I could go on for a little bit longer, but I think we've devolved so much into just like, let's talk about a chat that if you guys are at all interested in looking further into like what is going on with the uh, other groups of the uh, guild or otherwise, again, I cannot recommend it enough. If you're looking for a good background, spend a day and go read the wiki. Uh, Just look up monster hunter lore. And it is literally the first link in Google. Uh, it is so easy to digest. It's so cool to sit and read it. If you want to really digest and get into some of the stuff that I may not have had a chance or Bife has not had a chance to talk about tonight, that is probably the best place to get your best mm-hmm. uh, overall background. And as yes. somebody that's been with the series since its inception, I can say that with certain. It is very well done, and there's plenty to digest and look over. But to me, I think that is a great place to leave it, uh, just off of like how the, the guild was kind of formed, what it is that they do. Uh, just, just every time you go out on a hunt, remember that it's not you going out mindlessly. You're going out for a purpose, a very big purpose. Now, at the end of the day, it's just have fun, be yourself. If you want to get good, that's on you. And don't forget your Wiggler yes. helmet. And don't yes. forget your Wiggler helmet. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the lure. Didn't you know? That's how you lure them to you. <laughs> yes. Exactly. What's so funny is it's so accurate of a description. It's so accurate. It's like, wag, 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 wag. It's, it's totally. I mean, all you have to do is watch this cutscene with that thing, and you have, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I, I, this game I'm is sold. amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he showed it to Justin and I, and we were both like, "Where's this game?" Like, <laughs> oh, a moment where you sit back and you're just like, "Dude, <laughs> I am." <laughs> What's a first-person shooter when you have a Wiggler helmet? Oh no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, dude. What's a first-person shooter when you get to fight dragons on a regular basis? Uh, uh yeah. Draconic Ponty. What? Draconic, draconic sea cucumbers. Hey, hey, <sighs> sea cucumbers need to eat too. <laughs> but yes, I, uh, I, I think that's a. I don't, I don't see any other questions out of chat or anything like that. Uh, Bife, do you have any last? Last minute thoughts for Monster Hunter? Anything I haven't 
I mean, obviously we didn't talk about like the research commission or mm-hmm. yeah. some of the, uh, the other elements in the guild, but you, you kind of learn those things over monster hunter world. That's, uh, <laughs> and that's can I be honest? I want to lead that. It sounds, it sounds crazy, but I feel like there is there if they had some amazing DLC for mm-hmm. a follow-up episode, right? Right. Like, let, let's go ahead and say they add three massive DLCs and each one of them comes with a new zone, a series of new monsters, and some new mm-hmm. story elements. In the space of doing that, we could see Fatalis. We could see some of the classic monsters from For You. We could see Zenogo reappear, which is a really, oh, please. really... Oh, please. please oh, please, God. Please. If Beard's reaction has not given you an adequate idea of how popular that monster is in the series, then allow me to express the fact that it is one of the most popular monsters. Um, you know, amazingly, in Japan, Keizu is another really popular monster that would appear in icy caves, etc., and some marshy areas. So you might don't look it up. Don't time. look it up. <laughs> don't look it up. Look it don't, up. If, <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Aside from anything else, I don't know if people will know how to spell it. That's so, the <laughs> main problem I've had this evening. I've had to use Twitter, and it's a little hard to find them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, like... If we do that, and if we do get a lot of this stuff added, and there's a legitimate extra story being given in here, then there is entirely a possibility that we could have an extra episode of this. We could just go back over what was happening in the ancient civilization uh, if they, again, appear within the new world. Because if we do get to see a Fatalis, and considering that we had the whole thing of, you know, Fatalis was the one that destroyed the ancient civilization, it only makes sense that we see some kind of ancient arena built by them. And that adds in a whole load of possibility. You can see the other two subspecies of Wrath Wyvern, a.k.a. the Silver Rathalos and the Gold mm. Rathium. We can see more instances in which we can just find a new arena to hunt Elder Dragons in. We can see so much more, dude. And there's, there's a load of cool opportunities for well, this stuff. And, and considering they haven't really brought up like any ideas of like the... Uh, ancient civilization for us yet either i think that's one of the the other coolest things is that like right now i'm sitting here speculating as i always do about like what kind of involvement the ancients may have actually had on the the new world as we are calling it but how much of it may have just been an experimentation ground for the ancient civilization mm-hmm, we right no we haven't seen much about like what they were, but they have their hands in literally everything. So to think that they wouldn't be out here in some way, shape, or form, I think that would be foolish. I think that would be largely foolish. So I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. Like you mm-hmm. said, they've got the sky's the limit when it comes to this one, and I think they've got they've got this like absolutely <coughs> nailed with like newer possibilities and what they can end up doing. So largely Absolutely. excited uh, and we don't even have g rank yet i forgot to mention oh, that give me because, g rank don't because, don't don't complain to me about the face until you face that freaking g rank please you often have to deal with hitbox nightmares <laughs> oh god mm. no please still no still mad about it still mad about uh, it there, there there is <sighs> never ever getting like getting over that garbage there will never be <sighs> getting over that you're but. over there on the other side of Okay, all right, that sounds cool. Let me just do this little side push. Okay. I can't really. Wait, there you go. That, that's a car. Cool. Yep. I'll see you in 20 minutes. I'm going to say, after I blew you completely across the map and you have to recover and then get up, uh, no, just no. 
but yes, with G rank, uh, I, I do want to actually say that too. It's speaking of DLCs, if you're looking for value and are interested in picking up the game after what it is that we talked about, side note, this is completely not an advertisement. And I mean that, uh, I'm just extremely passionate about the game and the series deserves like every little piece that it can get. Uh, but mm-hmm. that being said, uh, if they do institute G rank, G rank actually adds on a lot of other uh, story factors generally. Like that's where in Monster Hunter 4U, we start to actually see stuff like the Seregios. It's an after the fact story. And they build mm-hmm. from there, which is just fantastic to me. Uh, but and are... if you want to face the Fatalist trio, mm-hmm. all in G rank, at very mm-hmm. least, are the best fights for them or the most Absolutely. satisfying ones. Absolutely. But yes, I am. I am very much looking forward to to where they take the game. Uh, I'm very, very happy with what they've done. I think that overall, uh, the game has also proven the industry completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And like, excuse me, because you'll probably want to bleep this blue bat insane <laughs> because of what it is that they are now like showcasing to everyone that we can effectively do things. Without the overtones of a lot of microtransactions or any other garbage, just present yourself as a full game, have fun with it. And they're showing that al- it can yeah. be done. I want to also point out, and this is something which it, it may be a quote that comes back to me if ever I need to do stuff with Anthem, but screw it, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Why not? Monster Hunter World has sold about 8 million copies if I'm hearing the last estimates correctly. Right? Eight and a, eight and a half, eight, actually, yeah. I think, is where they're eight, at right eight, now. Eight and a half, they, right? Even they, more to the point. They broke their record Star Wars, with it. Yeah, it's the best-selling game in Capcom's history, right, yep. as a publisher. Yep. EA had Star Wars Battlefront come out, and it missed nine million copies and slowed on expectations, and that was with their entire marketing budget pushing it really freaking hard. And that was so a Star if it, Wars title. <laughs> and it was a li- literally, it was a Star Wars title. And Monster Hunter World is potentially selling as well, if not maybe just a little better than that. And they're doing free DLC. They are doing a really transparent community presence. And they are making sure there's no microtransaction. Excuse me, that's something you'll also have to censor. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So if you are living in this day and age where you sit there and you're like, the age of the loot box huh well you want to be proven wrong real quick because they're about to start the whole spring event that they're doing and that's more free content which is amazing it's the sixth isn't it oh my god sorry i'm still i'm still technically on like my entire body clock is screwed up anyway point is totally fine (laughs) lots of the things we talked about the wiggler helmet the kuluyaku helmet the devil show, the new spring event that they're adding, all of the new armor that came with those, the little tiny tweaks and changes that they made to all the different social areas, like the gathering hub. That's mm-hmm. all stuff they do for free. And it's always been this way in Monster Hunter. Yep. So, yeah, I'm totally with you on that one bit. Yeah, it, Learn it, your it, lessons. Talk, yeah, like this, if they're not looking at Monster Hunter, uh, and, and I mean this to like the, the guys that are like CEOs, execs, so on. And you're not threatened by that in the least, you should be. Because it mm-hmm. really does showcase that you could still do things, have an artistic uh, idea behind it, make it work, and not make it all about the money. Because these More guys have been doing yeah. that for years. 
more importantly, that's now their competition. You wanted something that came anywhere close to a quote-unquote destiny killer, the thing that people have been chasing for literal years now. You want something that is powerful and made players celebrate a different game in droves. That was Monster Hunter. Yep. That was the community that everyone's been chasing, and Capcom casually released this thing. And they're going to retain a lot of that audience because it was a really pro-gamer, pro-consumer model on which they did all of their downloadable content. The only thing you have to charge for in microtransactions are cosmetics in the store that are hidden and squirreled away. And again, not even terrible in terms of the options that you get because there's very few of them. The amount of value you already get out of the game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you already have a ton of customization options, so it doesn't feel like it's been cut out. And even further than just that, they have amazing crossovers with other games. Devil May Cry is coming up. They've already done Horizon Zero Dawn. You go even further in than just that. They have a freaking character reroll that you can buy in terms of changing your appearance completely. You can already change about, I'd say, quite a fair amount of it in-game anyway. And you, you see them on market. Yeah, you're not your forced. face, the hair. You can already change that without needing to like buy anything. Sorry. But yeah. you don't have to go to the barbershop. No, mm-hmm. just go to your item nope. box, actually. I know that yeah. I know that in Monster Hunter you can get a beard. Yep. Yep. Looking, looking at you, Bungie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but if I had to I had to whittle that in. Oh trust, no. You're, you're right there with yeah. I think it was uh Eric's. <laughs> posted that yeah. i was like i was like done that's another <laughs> another point another so. yeah but now they're giving you like incredible value for like what is what is already there so you know i i wanted to to kind of cover actually unless if you had anything else before i jump in sorry I no no absolutely no. no dude go for it dude okay so the last piece about uh, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, on in the show. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about with uh, Monster Hunter was actually how Monster Hunter actually became a thing with Capcom. Again, I'm going to make this as quick as I can. It was a, a competition between Capcom that actually uh, was between four titles overall, and they were they were meant to really uh, change out like how multiplayer titles worked. Uh, a couple of the big ones, uh, Auto Modalista, I think is what it was called, uh, was one of them. But that was meant to be like a, a highly uh, competitive uh, multiplayer racing game. Um, and there were a, a couple others, but one of the major ones that stood out to me that I also played, and I didn't realize this, was Resident Evil Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter overtook a large title like Resident Evil that held a big name. And that is something that I think should be noted only to show that Monster Hunter kicked off very quickly and it really just held on the entire time. If you look back at uh, actually how it is over in Japan, if you go to uh, uh, Akihabara, I'm going to butcher that left and right, it's the uh, basically like the anime and video game uh, section of Tokyo. You can still, to this day, find anywhere, even if a new release is coming out or not, 
an entire listing of like awesome Monster Hunter stuff. And it continues to be that way. If you see people on their 3DSs or other pocket devices or anything like that, they're going to be playing something related probably to Monster Hunter, especially if they're in a group. So overseas, this game has done so well. Uh, I am absolutely ecstatic to see it doing extremely well here finally in the West. I hope that it continues to do well because it has earned its spot within video game history for so many reasons left and right. And as a little bit of an early shout out, Blue, Green, Bife, thank you for letting me just kind of, you know, spout off my passion for this series because it's been. Oh, dude, it's been a pleasure listening. <laughs> it's been, like, not uh, going to lie, Bife was, I think, excited about getting. He, I, he said it at I the was, top okay, of the episode. Was he was like, that, he was like, I get to get on. Wait, it's Monster Hunter. Yes. <laughs> I, so real honestly, I was excited that it was Monster Hunter. I was even more excited that I get to do this episode with you, Beard, because if I sit there and think of someone else who is even more passionate about the series than anyone else I know. It is you full stop. And I was really looking forward to hearing you go on about this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Pax. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, I'm... Dado as well. Yeah, thanks, Dado, for, for... Oh, yeah, so, so further context on that. Um, <laughs> right? Okay, so oh, this, this is something I'll explain. Big shout-out to Dato, by the way, who said hi uh, to everybody on Focus Fire. Hi, Dato. I am current... So hi, Dato. He's, he's, he's not here. He said, said. Oh, okay, oh. well... Well, fine. Yeah, that. <laughs> he's currently at the Twitch party, but this requires a bit of a long story. So I initially got... I initially got sort of like poked into coming to PAX by Chariona, mm-hmm. as did Dato. Char ends up being ill in the end, and Dato is anyway, like, the minute he came along, was like, yeah, Bife, do you mind if I jump in and share your room? And I was like, absolutely, yes. Char, of course, sadly, being ill, didn't show up, so, you know, the joke is he debated us both. <laughs> I, um, I not have give, there's a Twitch party going on right now, that's where Dato is. I stayed behind so I could do focus because I've already made the thing. So yeah, that's, you know, you stick with the commitment. I was not going to miss this for the freaking world. But more so than Dato right now being out there, there was this risk that he would walk in midway through the podcast. It's now one forty-seven. I can only imagine getting home at some point. So yeah, I, yeah, big thanks had- to Dato. Yeah, but not we had bets on yeah, we had yeah. bets on if he was going to interrupt us with the statistics on why hammers are the best weapons. <laughs> oh, my friend, have you experienced the love and power of a one thousand five hundred damage <sighs> great sword swing? Oh my goodness! Who strikes your heart's content? <laughs> one hit that monster. So, I mean, so so long as you don't get knocked out of the charge three hit. But <clears throat> I, I will admit, <laughs> is, is, do I hear a Vespoid somewhere? I think I hear a Vespoid somewhere. <laughs> Vespoids for those not familiar, small little wasp things that are the most annoying creatures in the game. Mm-hmm. Worse than and they will. If they sting you and sun you in the middle of that, and you're a great sword main, I think that's every great sword main's little kind of hell right there. Uh-huh. It's just sort of sitting there and looking as your entire team starts laughing at you and you can't do a damn thing and being like, 
I want to end my hunter's life. <laughs> this I'm, I'm is pretty, just not. I'm pretty sure. I mean, those my career reason... is already over. I'll never hunt again. I will never be taken seriously again. <laughs> I... <sighs> I'm pretty sure that those things are the reason that unflinching was given as a perk, along with uh, anti-paralysis. <laughs> I'm pretty oh sure that is it. <laughs> oh yes. I'm oh not. I'm goodness. not even completely and utterly correct. The <sighs> the inside jokes that you can build from Vespoids is incredible. It's almost about as funny as what you could do with a Kizu. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so real quick, let's say, let's go through shout outs. <laughs> so shout out to Bye if you want to you want to go first for us. I think we got we got Dado. Thank you Dado for letting us steal Bye. Thank you indeed. Uh thank you again to the guys over at Focus Fire for having me on the show again. Seriously, you guys freaking thank you. Walk. It's not like I know it's not really a typical thing to go ahead and do shout outs for the host, but again, I I've, I've wanted to be on the show again so long. And I need to say this right now, as this is a question that gets asked to me so much, I do not think it's at all right for me to answer it on Twitter. This is a much more sort of friendly forum for me to do it. Shout out to Guardian Radio. Everyone keeps on asking if I'm going to be on again. And I'll be honest, a mix of me being awful at communicating with band, on, on band with those guys, and a mix of me being exhausted on every single Monday has mm. kept me off the show for a very long time. And I've, I, I'm terrible because I've just kind of let it happen. I've let my sleep schedule be a thing. Mm. So... I mean, yeah, that, that's like uh, people, I don't know, people love to go ahead and throw around speculation, but I wanted to go ahead and use this to clear the air. There is no bad blood from my side. I still freaking love those guys. Do not worry. Other shout outs that need to be given. And uh, this is something which I think everyone here is going to get behind. Shout out to Myling Games, because, yeah. heck yeah. Dude, he just got a wonderful invitation to the Player Summit at Bungie for Destiny 2. And I know that I speak for everyone in the law community when I say that there are very few choices that people would appreciate more. In fact, I think that in terms of getting the most balanced individual, the mm -hmm. one that everyone can absolutely get behind, he is the best choice. So yeah. kudos to you, Matt. We'll all be going ahead and banding together and giving you as much feedback that you can take them as possible. I know you'll make a checklist. I already told you this. <laughs> I know. I he's asking tree. for it. He's, he's asking for he's it. He's like, I would expect oh, yeah. nothing less. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, dude. The minute the minute that he um, the minute that he found out, he he took the words out of my mouth. Like, I'm gonna. I, I want you guys to all just like come together and give me stuff. So yeah, we will be organizing that in the next few days. But huge shout out to Matt. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go ahead and find me, you find me. It's whatever, just search by for something. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, shout outs. Other people, go. Beard, what about you? Well, I guess I just to kind of continue with my uh, shout out from before, like being able to just sit here and uh, gush about this game and whatnot. Thank you to the community for voting and being interested in what Monster Hunter is. Maybe just as like the hot ticket item for right now or whatnot but just being slightly interested in what it is that's going on with this series uh it holds a very special place in my heart as being a series that kind of saved my life back when i was in college uh pretty well quite literally uh because i was i was not i was not doing well as a human being in college uh i felt very bad at myself but i had a group of friends that we could sit and play and it was always a great time so 
I have excellent mm-hmm. memories of this series uh, and excellent memories of those friends that I was with, uh, even through through high school and then through college again. So it helped me a ton. So again, community, thank you for letting me just sit here and gush about this series that I love more than I do Destiny, and I will say that now with a wholesome <laughs> heart. Uh, further, I would definitely also like to mimic what Bife said. Uh, Matt, good luck out there. I won't keep harping on it, but uh, I will have that 20-page checklist for you. It will be rigorous. It will be vetted. I will probably get it notarized. No, I won't. It I'll will be in triplicate. It will be in triplicate. <laughs> I don't understand okay. why you are so all mad. You've had 50 years to sign this. <laughs> Ah, I see Savannah. I saw the man and got invited to the company. Oh, God, he does it well, too. What is this? Oh, the lore guys can all do Asher. I love it. It's it's perfect. Oh, oh my God. So, okay, I've got, I've got to derail this a second. There's That's a guy fine. in my Discord called Oz. He's one of my mods. He's also the guy who helped me with writing and creating the skeleton script for the 90-minute mega video I did for Destiny oh, 2. Oh, yeah. Back. Yeah. yeah. Um, he it's a running joke in WTF Game Nation that he is Ashamir. And <laughs> I I have only one thing that I need if I want to elicit a bleep of this response, if I want to elicit the response from him of quote f you or <laughs> hate all of you, all I have to do is say this. So Oz, tell me approximately what is the destructive capacity of the Almighty in Zeta Jewels? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and he will just and, and he just loses his mind. It's wonderful. I freaking love it. <sighs> That's perfect. I'm yeah. I'm glad. I will I'm ask him what to... is the approximate destructive capacity of the Almighty in Zeta Jules, and he will reply, "I do not know, Asher, because I am a reckless fool." Yeah, I know those lines too well. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna... <laughs> it's all right. I'm just <laughs> glad to know that I'm not alone. And that oh, dude, there dude. are other Ashers out there. In which case, we can all band together and oh, just start God. a clan of Asher. And mm-hmm. if anybody walks in, they're bound to have a headache before they leave. Bear. Because mm-hmm. we all are going to have headaches Bear. as well, dealing with you coming to IO. Now get off my planet. Bear, <laughs> we can make you cosplay as him. No, we could totally do this as a cosplay. For <laughs> you're already, you're already going to have a one arm sweater. So, I mean, I don't I don't understand the problem with this. That's going to require I that I shave the beard. <laughs> That's going to require that it's gone. I don't want to do so, that. I want this to be like a Rick and Morty thing. Because, there's, because, because no, 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 hear me up. Around PAX and around I-62, there have been a bunch of people that, I kid you not, have been like a pack of 10 Ricks walking around. In oh similar God. cosplay, oh I want to see ten Ashamirs just descend <laughs> yes. on my body. <laughs> yes, this that would should be happen. Hilarious! Oh my God! Wow! <laughs> wow! And just have them all going through the hall and then all saying themselves: "Impossible! Impossible! Impossible! Impossible!" <laughs> <laughs> just, I think oh, people would lose their minds. It would be amazing. Yes, <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> oh my god! And we could we could all say the Guardian Con is nothing but a Hilbert space. Like there was, oh, it's perfect. Gesundheit. <laughs> green, green. Oh. What about you? Oh god, I can't follow this stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. Ben, if I was next to you right now, I'd be giving you that high five. Yeah. Oh, Yee. I'd be right there with you. I'm gonna fist bump after. Bam. Bam. Mm. Okay. 
So I've been on the fence for buying Monster Hunter for about a month now. Mm-hmm. And Beard, I've known that well. Yes, Beard has been trying to convince me for quite a while. I have actually <laughs> powered up my PS2, and I am purchasing the game right now. Oh. Ooh. I am, your, you said PS2? <laughs> yeah, Monster Hunter 3. I oh, dude, know there, was, I mean. there was a I version mean. on PS2 as well. Yeah, well, that was yeah the I'm going to say that. The original yeah. Monster Hunter, absolutely. Yeah. Which, by the way, you should go go get it. Like, go do 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 that if you go really want to go ahead. And it'll be old school, and you'll have to experience the pain of bringing pickaxes oh. with you to mine ore. But it's worth it. It's like it's a wonderful little old school gaming experience, and it will teach you the meaning of hardship when it comes to the fights because it takes zero basically well and i I think added to that it also gives you more of an appreciation of how world is and how much of the farming that they take out of it world which i think is fantastic in a way but then you're like yeah no a lot of this really didn't make a lot of sense back in the game for gameplay anyway i'm tangenting again i'm sorry green continue no worries no worries i'm just you guys have convinced me because i've been trying to find another another story I can really sink my teeth into as far as gaming mm-hmm. goes because that's where that's where I have the most fun. Is like, is it interesting to me? Right. Not just the the gaming mechanics, which is also fun, but it's like I can get into this. I could definitely get into some slaying some massive dragons and oh my gosh! Good night, guys. I Bye. love you so much. Night, well. night, night, bye. Night, bye. Adios. Good to talk with you again. Likewise. No, I, I, I'm willing to actually give this game a shot. I don't have a ton of free time, so I've been really picky about the games that I'm like seriously considering di- diving into on a regular basis. And this one, this one I feel like I could. You're sure. giving me more reason that I definitely need to, to start up on my uh, tutorial series again, because it is one of those series for weapons and so on. You got to find your niche. Mm-hmm. After you do, you'll love it. So I will. I will. For anybody otherwise thinking about picking it up after this, give it a chance. It needs some time because of the weapon systems. Once or, you find what you like, it's wonderfully fun. Or give anyway. Beard a shout out for suggestions is what I'm yeah. hearing. I'm gonna say, give me, give me ideas for, uh, you know, what what style of game that you're looking for, or anything like that. I will be more than willing to go ahead and give you like an overall thought process on like what weapon does what because they're all vastly different, all okay. of them. What about you, Blue? Um, I have a couple shoutouts. I'm going to actually move the email shoutouts to our next week's episode. Um, other than that, really, honestly, the only big shoutout that I have is a giant apology to Millie. Um, well, actually, two pieces of that for Millie. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait! Not apology. Well, well, no, Why no, no. I have to apologize because I called him a titan. He got very angry with me. He's a oh. he's a he's a hunter. <laughs> I, I I promised I promised him an apology. So so he was very dis, he was very um perturbed at me for calling him a titan. Um, so he is a hunter. News. Congratulations. I mean, he he evolved in my eyes, right? That's how <laughs> I see it. He got better. Well. I mean, he got better for other reasons, too. Well, there's that's true. And um, by the way, we owe Millie and Sleepy a enormous congratulations because they are now engaged. Um, mm-hmm. And the ring is beautiful. Very good. Very good choice, Millie. Sleepy, you're very lucky for that ring. That I love that opal. 
the, the she sent us a picture of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, actually, I'll just go ahead. Kevin Kevin Ronaminian sent us a clip because, according to him, he's his one of his biggest pet peeves is the the pronunciation of Atheon. <laughs> he, he, he has a clip from Destiny Two in which Ghost pronounces it Atheon, not Atheon. It's Atheon, and it's like and, and the clip that he sent me. I shared it with these guys. It's freaking hilarious. So loved, loved it. Um, loved especially the commentary that <laughs> followed shortly oh, after this God, statement. That was hilarious. <laughs> Totally hilarious! It is so worth a watch. I'll be sure to. Uh, I'll be sure to put it in show notes because it's. Oh my god, it's so great. It's um, so good. But yeah, so those those are the two shout outs. Um, really big congratulations on Million Sleepy. You know, again, that's it's an awesome story, and we're you know I'm I'm kind of blown away every time we kind of get pulled into stories, not necessarily like this, but just like stories about you know how how focus fire has kind of reached, you know, like beard, you're kind of saying about monster hunter, how, you know, like your community kind of gave you stability and gave you something more than, um, what I think a lot of people view video games as just like the shallow pastime. And it's just, to me, we get these emails like this and it's just, it's, um, it's a testament to the strength of the community that has been built around, you know, the story of a game that everyone claims has no story uh, is yeah. the is the running joke between the podcast team here is, you know, everyone keeps saying there's no story, but we've been doing this for nearly three years now and it's got a story, guys. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, be further from the truth yep. between between shallow pastimes or, or no story. It couldn't be. Further. Yeah. And I mean, in shallow pastimes that, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I, I was, I've had multiple conversations recently with people outside of mm-hmm. gaming communities about a lot of that. And so it's, it's just really cool, really, really cool getting these emails. Um, and, and like I said, huge congratulations. It's, that's an awesome development. Uh, it's a very big step in your life, and I'm I'm really excited for that. That's that's just amazing, and I'm I'm excited that even though we've been like a very small part of it, that just you know, I don't know. It, it's just it's really cool that we got to yeah. share share in that experience. Mm-hmm. It's like and it's he's like an extended member of the family. He is, yep. and, yeah, mm-hmm. and and sleepy. I mean, sleepy cracks me up. She's been messaging me a lot. Um, about like the episode and stuff like that, that she was talking, she, uh, Millie is very proud that beard, you appreciated the trolling and sleepy is very annoyed at the trolling. So, you know, (laughs) it was, it was very well done. Um, but yeah, so let's run through an outro real quick and then I'm sure that we'll probably stay for a little bit of an after show. Um, but yeah, so here we go with that. We'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focused fire chat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on focusedfirechat.com. 
Thank you again, Bai, for taking the time away from PAX and jumping into the chat with us. We really appreciate having you. And as always, I'll be sure to get your contact information links posted in our show notes. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast. And let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Reminder that we have moved to streaming the recap of the month-long Extra Lore Conversations to the first week of each month. But if we do have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at Focus Fire Chat. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.